Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Hovick. And this episode is titled Days of Future Past and has nothing to do with X-Men. We but just... we're huge X-Men fans. Are we? I mean, yep. Sure, sure are. I do like Days of Future Past, actually. I haven't seen it. First Class was better. Best Park says a different director. Days of Future Past was by the director of, of X1 class. through 3. X-Men 1 through 3, and Days of, Days of Future Past, or sorry, First Class, was by Matthew Vaughn, who currently has Kingsman in theaters. So and that's like, it for the Roundtail Podcast. So Thanks for like listening. X-Men Kingsman, <laughs> yeah, no, Kingsman's supposed to be really good. But anyway, that's not what we're here for. What we're here for is Nintendo stuff, and that's where the name comes from in our context, in that we're talking about two things that have been around from the past, but are now suddenly like new again, and we're in this weird future or the thing from the past is now the new thing in the present or something i don't know the name sounds cool that's all so we're talking about later show grab impressions of uh the new 3ds xl as well as majora's mask 3d and flipnote studio 3d all of which are updates to things that have already been had by people that live on this planet we remix call culture. Earth. Nothing remix new. culture nothing's new but before we get to all that we uh have a lot of news to well not a lot we've decent amount of news to discuss and kind of going with the remix culture thing we're structuring it a bit differently than normal so normally we just kind of hop topic to topic to topic but because of how the news broke and what news broke it's almost like we can tell one super long winding narrative of sorts that like everything kind of plops into so if this episode more than ever we might want to use timestamps well that sounds something new and scary jason well let me tell you jose it seems daunting at first but when you're at the end of it you're go gee golly that was a grand old time well we'll hope so <laughs> that didn't sound very like that you're ready for it but no um so basically the reason the big news is nintendo had their financial briefing their delayed one and in it we learned stuff about amiibo and there's other amiibo news to discuss there's uh wii u news mixed in more out of the field we, yeah so was i there's also jason sales corner mixed in um all right yeah, you sound thrilled. So long story short, use the timestamps around town.com in the blog post for this episode if there's something particular you want to hear. Or if you want to be on the whole ride, well, strap right in and we'll take you for a ride. we'll go somewhere together. Oh, that was a Marvel's Capcom reference, which has a stage called Days of Future Past. Oh, does it? Yeah. It's video- well, yeah cause it's- and that's a video game. So our title's more topical than ever. Yeah. And by ever, I mean than three minutes ago. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so, so you did say, Jose, you made a very good point that this financial briefing was kind of low-key. It kind of didn't have thing Like, we... Last episode at the tail end, I was like, oh, they're going to talk about quality of life platform. They're going to talk about, like, how they're going to flesh out their IPs. I bet you they're going to mention the Zelda uh, Netflix show and, like, all this stuff. In other words, it sounds... None it, of it, it happened. sounds exactly like it was, in the most literal sense, a financial briefing. No, seriously. That's what I want to say at the start. He was saying in the briefing, he kicked it off... Remember, it's like a mini E3 that doesn't yeah. really show anything except tell you stuff. Especially in January. January's their big, here's what's coming this year, here's what we're doing. Here's, like, the general goals of 2015. But this time, he came out, and he went, Yeah, I was sick. Sorry we had to delay it. Uh, This is a, quote, financial results presentation, not a, quote, corporate strategy meeting. So don't expect anything about quality of life, IPs, or anything of interest until April, after the financial year is over. Their fiscal year, I mean, is over. It ends March 31st. So in April, we'll be getting quality of life, he promised. We'll be getting info on their new IP strategy. We'll be getting smartphone app news. Uh, that's all coming. So what we got in the meantime, though, is a lot about the Wii U, the 3DS, and most notably and most interestingly, Amiibo. So uh, first off, Nintendo actually kind of finally acknowledged that there are shortage issues. It only took them four months, but here we are. Uh, so, but, well, I should be fair. They didn't even directly say it. Just kind of, like, alluded to it. So um, what I want to specifically mention 
is that Nintendo didn't expect Amiibo to do quite so well in the U.S., in Canada, and in Australia, of all places. So, as a result, things, you know, they didn't anticipate, as he put, we didn't anticipate them going on sale on auction sites. They weren't expecting scalpers, long story short. Mm. But uh, it also didn't help that they have confirmed now that the there was a West, I mean, we knew this was existing, there's a West Coast uh, sh- uh, port strike, like the shipping centers, the boat shipping centers, the port. I don't know why I had to define what a port is. And in that, and a lot of Nintendo stuff comes in through those ports. So in that strike, Nintendo's been stuck with their stuff at the port. I could see why that would be a problem. It would, yeah, indeed. It's funny because I, I want me a con, like, yeah, for for games, they're super lightweight, so we, we fly them in, so it's not a big issue. But for heavy things, the 3DS, XLs, which are now really hard to come by, like, as we speak, uh, all the Amiibo that they've had trouble with, the GameCube adapters, all that stuff, that's heavier, that needed to be coming by boat. And their bottleneck that ports all across the western U.S. or primarily up in Seattle, but because their shipping facility is just outside yeah, of Seattle. I could see it's causing a boatload of problems. You could. You have been sitting there on that joke, just waiting for me to finish my sentence. I saw it in your face. You're just like, Come well, on, no, because Jason. it didn't acknowledge. I see. See. Oh, I didn't even notice that one. Uh, yeah, that was too subtle. No, it, it, it was. You should have. Like, I oceaned that. Yes, <laughs> I oceaned why it's a problem. Yeah. But uh, but more big enough waves. Yeah, you didn't make a big enough wave at all. It was, it was a pretty shallow, shallow attempt at human. It there. took a whale for it to hit you. That one's more forced, but whatever. Yeah, that one doesn't even really, really. Mm. I should go back to fish school. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, maybe maybe I should just stop. Let's just erase that part of the podcast. But uh, anyway, on top of all that stuff that Nintendo admits going on, so the ports, the fact that they under anticipated, or whatever the term would be the amiibo they also said that certain markets are vastly outperforming what they expected for example did you know according to iwata 63 percent of all amiibo sales that's worldwide two-thirds of amiibo were here in good old america we represented two-thirds europe came in with 23 percent which is why i don't have so the part of amiibo we had represents two-thirds we didn't even have that small quantity that's the thing we had the bottleneck and then on top of that we had Literally two-thirds of all Amiibo sold around the world. So when you combine the two, major shortage. And on top of that, we also had... Or, sorry, Europe had 23%. Japan only had 11%. They are not very big on the NFC figurine thing. Not just Amiibo. Skylanders, Disney Infinity, none of it's really there yet. And Australia and New Zealand came up with uh, 3% of total sales. So they're bringing up the rear. However, um, what's interesting about Australia and New Zealand... Is they made up three percent of total sales, but they represented they had a ninety percent sell through rate. So what that means is, of that little quantity they got, they sold almost all of them. Here in the U.S., we have a seventy percent sell through. Yes, some characters sold obviously super well, but you could still find a Mario anywhere right now. So Australia had the highest sell through rate of any region, which is why I want to mention it as one of the most popular amoeba places. Twenty percent higher than anywhere else in the world, and yet they also had the, the smallest supply. So you could, you could see how that could possibly be a problem. Because if they don't get very many and they're selling out, it's now at the point where Nintendo of Australia just like the other day announced that they are going to bring back more Amiibo. They're selling more Amiibo by importing other countries' Amiibos. They're not going to redo the packaging. They're going to plop them off the shelf, like pick them off the shelf in like Spain, ship them down, and then be like, hey, we hope you like Spanish Amiibos because that's what you get. So it's, it's enough of a shortage. If you thought it was bad here, apparently it's significantly worse in Australia. Well, better than nothing. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, it prevents scalping. Well, it won't, but I mean, it helps. Yeah. I guess Nintendo's just following the lead of 
collectors who have been importing from Japan and Europe already. Because, yeah. you know, there's pictures of Germany where there's, like, a bajillion amiibo. And, I mean, just saying that, like, lowers the prices of a lot of amiibo. Like, I'm sure in the mm-hmm. Nintendo Direct, just by saying that there will be Circus of Mars for Steam, coding Steam, like, yeah, probably stop a lot of people from buying them. Probably. But... And, and it's interesting because, like, the sell-through rates of these things actually kind of demonstrate, like, why some amiibos are harder to find than others. I don't just mean, like, regionally. I mean amiibo by amiibo. Iwata actually broke down which amiibo were most popular in each region and which one sold best of its quantity. It's actually kind of interesting how it shakes out. It's not it's not different from what you expect, but, you know, how 5.7 million amiibo sold worldwide, like, Link's been number one in every region, but except now, Australia, where Mario's number one. But, I think, well, I mean, yeah, Link's popular, but, I mean, I guess... Like those quote unquote rare amiibo that basically completely sold out. Oh, I mean, they since they sold out a hundred percent of those amiibo, I mean, the sell through rate's obviously high. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess they've made more links. Obviously, they're going to be bigger. Than right, right. Link. That's the thing. That's that's what I was getting at. I find the discrepancy kind of interesting because, yeah. like, if you look at the top ten from sales, I'll just rattle them off real quick. It's everyone you'd expect, like all the common characters. Link. This is from going from one to ten yeah. in the U.S. only. Link, Mario, Pikachu, Kirby, Samus, Yoshi, Zelda, interestingly, Donkey Kong, Peach, and Luigi. I can't believe Zelda and Peach outsold Luigi. Yeah. He really is second fiddle. It, it was almost um, N64 roster if it wasn't for yeah. Zelda and Peach. Yep, pretty much. But yeah, so all those guys were what sold the most here, and that's, those are the ones you'd expect. But then if you look at the sell-through of the top ten, which gets to your point that you know the harder ones to find are obviously going to be better sellers, it's like a complete reversal. The top ten in the U.S., number one to number ten, Marth, Villager, We Fit Trainer, Pit, Captain Falcon, Link, because he's popular, Fox, who wasn't even in the top 10 of the other list, Rosalina, the only exclusive one to get on the list, because the others aren't out yet, in the case of Mad Knight, uh, or just came out this Friday, um, Samus, and Yoshi. So, there are some mainstream characters. As you get lower down the list, the mainstream characters start bubbling up, but it's definitely like these obscure characters are the yeah, ones that are up it, top. I mean, at this point... Like, I feel like you can't really... I mean, Freddy's still for follow Smash Brothers. Yeah. But you can't really think of Smash Brothers and not think of Captain Falcon. It's true. It's true. That's why he's high up on yeah, that list. Yeah, he's like a... Same with Pit. Poster boy. I mean, Pit, Pit isn't the poster boy that Falcon is, yeah, but Pit's a yeah, common character. Pit, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, almost all the ones on top, like... Except Wii Fit except, Trainer. Yeah, <laughs> so Wii Fit yeah, Trainer was definitely just there because of... the of, shortage. Yeah, because... Totally. It's Wii Fit Trainer. They're like, oh, why are you... They're never going to make a Wii Fit Trainer action figure or anything. It's not even that. I had zero interest in Wii Fit Trainer. Then the shortage report came out, and then I bought one the next day. Yeah. Like, people just impulse go. Like, I, I've decided I'm a compulsive Amiibo buyer, and it's a problem. Mm-hmm. I'm part of uh, AA, Amiibo Anonymous. And it's not really. But it's uh, that's not a thing, I don't think. Or is it? I'm keeping a secret. I'm not going to say. But, uh, yeah, no, it's like I have, like, a Toad from the Mario series on pre-order. I randomly, I had no interest in Shulk at all. But then I'm like, well, I'll probably get Xenoblade on 3DS, and he's on GameStop right now for five minutes. Okay, and I bought it. With shipping, it's like 20 bucks. It's not showing up till May, a month after I would have Xenoblade. But I'm just like, it's there. I'm a Nintendo whore. I need to buy it. So, so that's where that's at. But um, the question becomes, like, okay, so let's, so obviously there is some sort of discrepancy issue with how there is supply Amiibos. What's Nintendo going to do about it? Because we now have Nintendo finally admitting, yeah, we have an issue. So what's their what next? What can they do? Because they also can't well, overstock everything. Yeah, well, that's kind of my wallet's point. Because he was saying kind of what we heard before in that there's not enough retail space. There's not enough room on their production line. So they're going to have to pick and choose which ones they want to do. So their idea is to basically kind of scattershot them all out there like they've been doing. And then they'll go, gee, Marth did pretty well. Number one seltzer in the U.S. Let's make more, like you said about Codename Steam. So they're now making more of Marth. 
presumably, who's number two on that list? I already forgot. I'm sure Villager's going to come back when Animal Crossing comes out later this year, assuming it actually comes out later this year. Yeah. It's not even a thing yet, but I guarantee it'll be in that city three. I will put yeah. money on it. I'm pretty sure Villager probably won't do as well if they do like more shipments just because she probably did sell out because it was rare. Yeah. But once it becomes common, it's like no one's really going to care. Animal Crossing's a big franchise now. You'd be surprised. No. Oh, did I say Villager? I meant Wii Trainer. Oh, Wii Trainer. Wii Trainer, yeah. No, yeah, that's what, like, if yeah. it was if it was common, no one would care. I feel you're a hundred percent right. Except those but, collectors that have to collect them anyway. So yeah, it, you know it's kind of funny. This whole situation where it's like the lesser characters are now ranking the highest sell through. This is almost like free market research for Nintendo. We are paying Nintendo to give them market research because they're basically going, "Let's sit back and watch." What's your bot? And like, oh, interesting. <laughs> Samus outsold Fox. We should maybe make a new Metroid next. Or they'll see like, wow, Mars is popular. We should make another Fire Emblem. Like, it's basically free market research. It's yeah. funny how they they have suckered us into not just buying these little pieces of plastic that are essentially like a chip on a stand. Really they not nice just suckered chip. us into buying forty nine of them in your case, but uh, they also are getting free research. No wonder they closed Club, Club Nintendo. They don't need it anymore. They don't need to do surveys. Just throw Amiibo at us and what we buy will tell them. Yeah. It's <laughs> that plus the play data that they're now anonymously sending back from their games. They're set. They don't need they don't need us to acknowledge that we're helping them. Or to get coins out of it or to get free bags and shirts. Just make us pay. But uh, the, the other the other major perk I should say uh, that I thought of for um for the amiibo situation they're currently in is that it's a guaranteed system sell or guaranteed sales generator at least for now because i was making the point in the um in the briefing that after the holidays games always drop off in sales like significantly amiibo because of the current frenzy not that much of a drop off so at least temporarily they're kind of that evergreen product that nintendo Law, where they just keep selling and selling i mean granted they're releasing them non-stop yeah. and the plan is to continue releasing them to always have something new on the shelf but for, for now, until the frenzy dies down, they have the perk of everyone flipping out the second they are announced. So, I mean, when when Amiibo news, one of those you know one of those twitters that tells you whenever Amiibo goes on sale, when that hit ten thousand followers, you know there's an, a market for this. And Amiibo Inquirer? Game. No, there's another one called Amiibo news. Uh. Amiibo Inquirer, a few days, like a week ago, two weeks ago, said, um, "Oh yeah, I have a life, so I can't tell you the second stock is available for everything." I'd like to do like more summary posts, so I point you at Amiibo News, who can tell you who has like a tracker that auto tweets. Oh yeah. So, and that got, just got ten thousand followers the other day. So there's a, there's definitely a market for this. Um, but he, uh, Iwata also touched on a number of ways that Nintendo plans to kind of expand Amiibo forward beyond just we're gonna keep pumping them out the same. Uh, the biggest way they're gonna do this is well, I should rephrase. The, how they plan to move it forward beyond just here's a figurine. Like, what are they going to do in the games? What's their purpose? What's, why do they exist outside of little pieces of plastic? So the big one that he announced, and probably the coolest thing and most interesting thing that came out of this, uh, not direct, this presentation, is that they're going to be having a app, an app you can download for the Wii U for free, that when you scan your Amiibo, you will get to play games associated with the character. Kind of. You will get... Time exactly. You're gonna get time-based trials of NES and Super Nintendo games, and it's gonna work exactly like Smash Bros. Masterpieces. Ooh, yeah, nice it's, all right. it's kind of a neat idea. It's it's interesting because how it's gonna work is like you scan the amiibo in, and it just throws a scene from the game at you, and you're just in the scenario doing whatever you gotta do. Time runs out, you're done. Scan mm -hmm. it again, it'll throw a different scene at you from the same game. 
So they don't say how many you can have, but presumably like three or four or five per amiibo, because you know all the, all the data is stored in the app, not on the amiibo. So they could do endless, really. They could keep updating it. So you'd have all these different ex- little bite-sized experiences, and then of course they're gonna be like, "Hey, you you like this? You should go to the eShop. You know, we got the whole thing for like four bucks." So it's all just a marketing ploy. Mm. But uh, but it's kind of a neat idea. I mean, it's fine because they're basically taking amiibo and going from like. I've always viewed them as physical DLC. I think I tweeted something like this, but I always, I always view them as like ads. <laughs> what? Another built-in ads. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not so much ads. The way I view it is, this is like the new demo disc. Oh. Yeah. Like you got, the, they, they represent physical DLC and they represent demo discs. Like this is a two-in-one. Everything that most people just download to their console, demos, DLC. Why do that when you can go buy it and have to find shelf space for it? That's that's kind of how the vibe I'm getting off these. And it seems like... I mean, it is smart, because Nintendo can drum up sales to the eShop. They're exposing these characters to kids that maybe have never played these old games. You know, they'll be on the... A little Timmy will be on the eShop and be like, Oh, Mario 3D World, I love Mario. And then be like, what's this weird blocky thing? Minecraft is where blocks are, not Mario. Why is he blocky? And then they have him play the demo, and he's like, Oh, this is fun, and then buys it, so... I don't know what... Why would I play this when I play Mario 3D World? But, I mean, he has the demo. They're throwing it at him, so he'd probably try it. He tried it, and then he's like... Oh, he might not like it. That's true. But you have to assume he'd like it for this theory to work. (laughs) Uh, But it it, it reminds me a lot of NES Remix, because that was like a sample... Why did the Shulk have an NES game? I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually going to be interesting. How they handle newer characters. Maybe they don't. It's only going to be certain certain Amiibo, I'm sure. (laughs) Little Timmy, I'm so... Yeah, you scan in. It's just like... Too new. Sorry, you can't play this. It's too new. And I guess it's safe to assume, like, third-party characters like Sonic. Presumably they'll have them. I mean, Sega has virtual console games. Yeah, they usually do have... Mm. Yeah, but that's Genesis. Not on Wii U, I just realized. Yeah, I mean, they definitely could do Mega Man. Yeah. I'm sure Capcom would be happy to give them demos. Oh, yeah, Capcom's been really supportive of... It's more intense to be very supportive of Capcom than the other way around. Uh, I mean, they're doing co-marketing on Monster Hunter pretty intensely, so... Oh, yeah. But but uh, but I was gonna say that the uh, the, the, the funny thing about this is like it, it's really similar to NES Remix because NES Remix is a lot of fun. We talked about it when it first came out. I really like it. It's like WarioWare with NES games, but really it's just a sample platter of what's on the Virtual Console. It's just them going, hey, you can have check it out. We have all these hors d'oeuvres. There's the cheese and crackers of Mario. There's the little sausage on a toothpick of Zelda. And if you like them, we have a full dinner menu. You can purchase the full meal from that's kind of what as remix is it's like you can eat them and they're free hors d'oeuvres or you can just get the full meal and this is literally the exact that's the weirdest metaphor i've done on the show but this is literally the exact same thing it's just physical amiibo now yeah. but they're they're really milking this whole like hey have you noticed the virtual console it's a it's a thing we have um but it, it's probably worth knowing that like some games obviously are doing more than this because i was saying like oh amiibo are all physical dlc and demos and that's all they are Smash Bros, obviously, Amiibos are much bigger components of the game. Mario Party 10, they'll be bigger. Smash Bros, in fact, they just rolled out the uh, update for 3DS uh, right before the new one, the new XL came out. And it now supports Amiibo, and it works really well. We actually just tried it before we record. Yeah. It, you just hit ZR on the menu screen, and you plop it down. You don't have to have it touch the screen. You just hover it there, and it reads it instantly. It it, Adaptive. it does what it's supposed to do. That that update is actually kind of cool because it also came with the sharing stuff. So old 3DS owners like XL and Normal can now access Miiverse or can now post Smash Bros. screenshots to Miiverse. But because of the CPU issues, which is what I couldn't for, there's now like a sharing room or something like that in the game that you go and you kind of plop your screenshot in and then you mm, sort of. Isn't that how it works? No, not really. I'm totally way off base then. Basically, see, no. I have the new 3DS. I don't need to enter that. Uh. Room. Wait, what? I don't need it. See, I, I have the new 3DS. I don't need to go into this weird sharing space. 
Well, no, I mean, it's not really a sharing space. It's just like the next time you go online, it just says like, oh, these were shared. Like you got this many videos, this many photos that were transferred to you. And then the next time you go into your vault, like where you would watch your videos anyway, right. they're just there. But there's a way, I thought there's a way through Meverse to share them. To post on Meverse. Maybe well, I mean, right. I guess like when you're online, you have this option to send videos and I guess you'd be just... Oh, and it's two or 3DS friends yeah. who are also on Meverse. Okay. Nintendo worded it funny because I was reading like the changelog and they're like, yeah, share it through 3DS friends and with Meverse. And I'm like, I guess they mean through Meverse. Like it's linking to me. I don't know. But that's a thing now too is you can share stuff. Yeah. Which is still kind of missing from the Wii U one. You can share screenshots, obviously, no, no, but you can't they... do tournament mode online. You can't do custom level sharing, which they promised. I don't know, maybe they want it's to coming. roll it all out at once. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's coming. But um, And then, of course, there's Mario Party 10 as well, which is getting updates. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what Amiibo can and will do, at least in Nintendo's mind for the future. They're going to be demo discs. They're going to be you know, physical DLC. Yeah, they're whatever they want them to be. But... Uh, <laughs> But the other half of the equation is kind of the amiibo themselves. Like, what shape are they going to take in the future? And I want to, the big one is I want to reconfirm that, yes, what Miyamo said last year is true. Nintendo is going to make amiibo cards in the future. Oh, man. He didn't the say... The last half of the Smash Brothers character, they're just cards. Uh, see, I don't know if they're going to do that. Because he didn't specify if they're going to be new things. Like, are amiibo cards going to be a new thing? Or are they going to be like, yeah, we couldn't fit enough Marios on the shelf. So here, have a piece of paper that represents that $13 figurine. But for three dollars, I uh, well cardstock. See, I think what they're gonna do. I don't think they're gonna do that. Again, he didn't say. But my suspicion is they're going to do a new thing. Amiibo cards will be for a separate game, much like the Mario Amiibo Mario series Amiibo are for Mario Party, but kind of crosswork crosstalk. I think this new one is gonna be either its own decade game or like I don't know because Pokemon Train Card game makes the most sense. Put NFC in the in special cards. You get one perfect. The holographic cards all have one, and you do something with them on your Wii U. And there's some sort of virtual Pokemon training card game. Or just adapt what the e-reader was doing. I mean, yeah. there were already cards with the scanners on the side. Yeah, but but the thing is, NFC chips are more expensive than barcodes, so mm. they definitely cost a lot of money. Now, the the other thing they could do, the e-reader thing's a really good point. Because my other idea is, Animal Crossing had a three-part series of e-reader cards. Every character had an e-reader card. Every, not every one, but there are some item cards. There's all sorts of stuff. And you collected them and you could just build up a portfolio of these cards. There is nothing to stop them from doing that again, but with NFC for Animal Crossing Wii. Oh, man, imagine. Like, that oh, would be oh, the new like, hook. I'll trade you this couch for this uh -huh. in real life. That would be the new hook. They need something. We were saying, uh, Animal I think. Animal Crossing IRL. <laughs> yeah. Animal Crossing outside. <laughs> outside world. Don't there we go. go outside. Animal yeah. Crossing nature. Go outside. Go no, across and go look at the sun. Force. Yeah, swap force. Is that what you said? Yeah. Look at that synergy with Skylanders. Yeah. Uh, but no, what I was going to say is it makes perfect sense. Because we were saying after the 3DS one, after New Leaf came out, like they need to do something new for the next one. Like we're reaching that point. This yeah, would really, be something I mean, new. this new one had a lot of new stuff where you became mayor. You had oh, yeah, yeah. But but it's kind of like one of those things that were they going to do for pants. the Wii U one. Oh, yeah. Change your shoes, too. Like you could. you could already, yeah. yeah. Like they change your socks; they're running out of things to change. Yeah, wear a wear a smartwatch. Uh, I don't know what, what else could you do. Exactly, but this could be the hook. This could be the the we speak of this Animal Crossing, but hopefully do yeah, much hopefully better. Better. Hopefully do chat. much better. Yeah, but I mean, I think it'd be really cool because there's so many characters that can't do real amiibo. Amiibo's a thing that they're now basically implementing in every single game. I mean, Eiji Anuma, producer of Zelda, even said that they wanted to do amiibo in Majora's Mask 3D. 
he was saying the same interview. They didn't because they didn't know how to fit it in with old content in a logical way. But if they could have, they would have. Every game going forward is going to have Amiibo. These things are not... It's not like how like Skylanders is or Disney Infinity. It's not like a core component of the game. It's like the thing that's going to augment every single Nintendo cool, game forever. The, the, I guess the usability of your Amiibo just, it's just going to keep growing and growing. Yeah, for the most part. exactly. Which is actually very smart because Nintendo's basically saying like, you're, you're, limit, you're capped off by how much you can do in Skylanders or Disney Infinity with those toys. Like it's like, oh cool, you're playing as... Sully from Monsters Inc. That's his name, right? From Monsters Inc. Yeah. Congrats. Like, that's it. That's where it ends. But what Nintendo's saying is, well, you just keep buying our stuff and we'll keep giving you things to do with the things you already have. So, it's, it's kind of, it's a smart approach. So, in terms of Animal Crossing, obviously it's going to be involved somehow, but there's no way they're going to do all the characters and there's no way they're only going to do Isabel and KK. Cards are the perfect middle ground. They can do all the characters without having to take, without having to clog shelves without having to, you know, produce a bajillion figurines, because there's like 130 characters, at least. Yeah, and figurines, I mean, while they're cool, they... Um, Take up space. I mean, they definitely make the most sense for Smash Brothers, but mm-hmm. for everything else, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if they stopped at the Mario Super Mario series at Mario Party 10, or at, like, yeah. those characters. Yeah, and the, the thing is, you know what they could do for Animal Crossing, now that I think about it? Oh, God, they're going to make so much money if they do this. Who said you have to know what cards you're getting? Booster packs. Randomized. Rarity. They would make so much money. I mean, I think that's kind of how they did the eShop one. The eShop one, you could get the full set, but it took... A, or not eShop, I think they could do, like, chips. Kind of like how Disney Infinity has pogs. Oh, pog that thing. could work. Like you get, like, a blind pack that comes with two yeah. or three. And then... The reason I'm thinking cards is they already kind of confirmed that they're doing something with cards. But... Yeah. But yeah, like it, you know it's gonna happen. They're gonna be randomized. You're not gonna know what you're gonna get. You're gonna end up with twenty or of or like um, Rocky, right? What Rocky the? Is he a hippo? A rhino? I don't remember. There's a guy named Rocky, isn't there? Maybe, possibly. Yeah. Well, whatever. You're gonna end up with twenty of like this super char- common character you don't care about. You're gonna be trying to get Isabel. You're gonna be trying so hard. You're gonna buy thousands of cards. You got binders There's full of be a them. special edition of the game that comes with one that you know you're getting but only comes with that. Yep, yep. And then you have to go see the Animal Crossing movie to get the ancient uh, KK card and then they're going to have the Tropical Island set and it's going to be Pokemon. It's going to be Pokemon without the card game attached. Or they can make a card game. Instead of energy, they're apples. Oh, this is all perfect. This is perfect. No, but uh, I seriously, I seriously, seriously think it's going to be Animal I don't Crossing. I apples to activate that trap. <laughs> Yeah, you can't you can't put a pitfall without more apples. Uh, you need to equip the shovel, which requires three apples. But no, it. Uh, I seriously, seriously, seriously think this is what the cards are for. Animal Crossing. I don't know how it would work as a card game, but they don't need to necessarily. But that's what's gonna well, be. I don't know. I don't train seems to make the most sense. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. I am training character train. Maybe that's how you get new villagers. You could tap them in. And then there's like, forcefully move them in. what if, no, what if, what if they did almost like, one of the new things is there's like a uh, tourism bureau. Bear with me. So there's like a big hall, right? And you tap your characters in and you get to meet them, like cap your cards and you meet the characters, you do like a quiz with them. And depending on how they, how you answer their questions, they either will or won't move to your town. And then like the town's obviously getting much bigger because it's HD and it's a huge disc and they can do whatever. But you can basically kind of, kind of pick and choose who you have because you could kind of know how to answer it's kind of like the Blanca thing at the beginning where you pick your face yeah, but for characters that you scan in they should have saved the wild world name they really should have yeah I mean I see they're gonna do, they'll do like a, they'll do like some sort of card name for this one it'll be like 
Animal Crossing 52 card pickup or <laughs> Animal Crossing blackjack. <laughs> Animal Crossing dealers. Animal, <laughs> Animal Crossing uh, real estate agent. But but no, I'm kind of like that could work. I think that could work. But before we get to any of that, before they do cards, that's not coming until later this year. They said what we do know is the next immediate push of Amiibo is Mario Party with the Mario series. So we, uh, courtesy of Nintendo's Japanese website for the game, we now kind of know that um, there's going to be new Amiibos for Donkey Kong, Rosalina, and Wario, all with the red Mario series base, base all in poses, all with the base on the Mario series, all in poses that, um, you know, are more appropriate for Mario Party. The generic poses, not the cool Smash Bros. ones. Yeah. So they, what happened is on the Japanese website, they posted screenshots with in-game artwork of those figurines. And then just like yesterday or two days ago, Nintendo Spain put out a press release about Mario Party 10 and just casually like, oh yeah, and there's good Amiibo for Rosalina and Donkey Kong and, uh, and um, Wario. And everyone's like, wait, what? And Spain, Nintendo and Spain's like, we, we did say anything. What, what? what are you looking at us for? <laughs> so, so it's basically confirmed. So that's the, ne- the next thing is Wave 1, obviously, with Donkey, with uh, Yoshi, Toad, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Bowser. And, I'm wondering and then Wave 2 will be these three, at least. Should I just get the Wario from this See? and not the Wario from Smash Bros.? No, get both. You need to finish your Smash Bros. set. Yeah, but I... You're close. you got to finish. When just get both. It? I'm going to I'm gonna end up having multiple Marios, I'm sure. Because I'm getting the Gold or Silver Edition. I haven't decided which. Which leads me to the next talking point, actually. The other thing Nintendo's doing with uh, Amiibo, as we know, is they're doing limited edition ones. So Gold and Silver Mario, as we talked about last episode, were leaked on Nintendo's own website, which is a little embarrassing, I'm sure. And then just the other day, we now have seen a promotional poster photo from Walmart where they say, make your Easter golden with the Gold Mario exclusively at Walmart. Which actually kind of makes sense. We should have seen this coming. Because you know the one retailer that did not have a Smash Bros. exclusive Amiibo? Walmart. Which makes you wonder who gets... Amazon. Who? Oh, maybe that's who gets silver. Because I was about to say, who's going to get silver? They've gone through all the major retailers. But I guess Amazon could get silver. I would love that because Amazon's site actually works. And they know how to respect shipping dates and release dates. And they're not stupid. Like Walmart will be like, yeah, come to our store. We'll have it on Tuesday. And they go on Tuesday and they're like, oh, we put it out on Friday. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, like, last the, Friday. The Walmart near me, I feel like, hasn't restocked Amiibo since they first stopped them. Like, yeah. the other shelves are always, always empty. Like, not even just the Amiibo yeah. section, it's the toy section, everything. So weird. Yeah, some Walmarts are really bad at stocking it's things. Like, does anyone even work there that actually does a job? Some people do, because 50,000 of them just got raised. Oh, wow. It was in the news today, or yesterday, or whatever day it was. <laughs> Good job. Keep Keep greeting. Keep greeting. Cause yeah, because <laughs> they, yeah, they focus on their energy on greeting. On the greeting. And they're all senior citizens who wear those nice little vests with the smile pin. All 50,000 of them. But, uh, yeah, no, so Walmart's getting the gold one. We don't know what's going on with silver. But I think it's interesting that they're still doing these retail exclusives. But it sounds like they're not doing them quite what we thought, how we thought. Because on Nintendo.com, if you go to the Amiibo site, it now says under Meta Knight, under Rosalina, exclusively at Best Buy, or launching exclusively at Best Buy, or Best Buy launch exclusive. Like, basically, they word it in a way that sounds like it could go to other places later on. I forgot the exact order of the words. I think it's exclusive at launch, which is, which implies that maybe one day they'll all carry them. So, I mean, Gold Mario and Luigi, and Gold, uh, I almost said Gold Mario and Silver Luigi, which actually have been a cool combo. Uh, the Gold and Silver ones, those don't have that tagline because those aren't official yet, but it's interesting that Meta Knight and Rosalina do have uh, you know, a launch exclusive, not an exclusive. 
So either I'm reading, either people are reading too. Uh, yeah, I think they all have them. Yeah. Either they're being read into too much by me and others, or and Nintendo just worded it weird, or there's something to that, and they will become more common. Because we're always starting to see Nintendo replenishing stuff. Like we were saying about Marth, how to bring it back. We're always seeing stuff like Shulk is going to be available in May. Where are those coming from? They're obviously making a second batch. DDD just had an issue where GameStop just announced, or sorry, Dr. DDD, according <laughs> to that one store. But they just announced that King DDD. <laughs> He does not have a uh, PhD. They just announced that um, they're splitting orders. So half the people that pre-ordered it are getting it this weekend, and the other half are getting it uh, in spring. So Nintendo's already starting to ramp up production of these lesser guys. So so I'm curious if the retail exclusives end up going bigger. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, so that honestly, that's kind of... Well, I guess the, the one last question is, are you going to get a gold or Mario? Or gold or silver? Or gold or Mario? Are you going to get a gold or silver anyone? No, I don't, really, you good? I don't, I don't really plan to. Like, at all no, you're just really. stopping and smashing that's it yeah like I don't know I just saw them I'm like mm, they look cool but no, no, no. I'm, I'm kind of happy I don't have like I'm not driven to try to get them yeah see I made I made the dumb mistake of uh, being picking and choosing what I get which means I feel like I have to get because I'm like like I'm getting Toad in parks I'm like I need one from the Mario series and I'm like oh well I need one gold one or one yeah, silver like, one like Toad like he's one that I'll get if I see him in the store just because it's like okay like I do like Mario Party like just something yeah. else and the gold Mario like I'll I guess I'll get him if I see him in the store too but I'm not gonna bother trying to actually like look for him yeah no I'm, I didn't go on my way like see this goes back to my whole I'm, I, I'm a compulsive amiibo buyer because like I saw on Amazon, I, he, the second he went for sale, and I'm like, why not? I own Captain Toad. Bought. Like, it's just like, I don't, yeah, I had no intent of buying him, and then I saw yeah. it, I'm like, well, I do own a game with him in it. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, and I guess the also, the only other reason I'm kind of considering not getting the two Warios. Yeah. Because I do kind of want only one of each. That's weird, though. Like, I, you would think you'd want a full set for a series versus one because he's gonna stick out like a sore thumb because he has a red face know, and he red, looks but, but, yeah, his but, different art style slightly yeah but the thing is like I don't know especially because it would basically be Elvis' amiibo right um, like I know he kind of dislikes Biker Wario and I also don't really care for Biker Wario but, but you're and if we have the option for normal Wario I would much rather have that so it's like what about in 15 years when you decide to sell your amiibos and you're like almost complete set well, I mean, missing warrior well, I mean, and the value them. goes down by $200 what happens then hey you say that now but in 20 years from now you might be like these are taking up a lot of room in my house with my family I really doubt that I don't know I doubt it too but you can't <laughs> predict the future this is days of future past this episode but we're not in the future yet so we can't predict and if, and if it and if it comes to the point where I have to sell something like obviously the Transformers would be the first to go oh obviously well you obviously. are getting rid of them obviously yeah obviously. Obviously. but the fact that we both just resort to British <laughs> grumbling is a little strange. But, <laughs> like, we but, just instinctively went there. But you do bring up a good point. Uh, a complete set would be nice. Not I feel like you're so close, because you already are getting all Yeah, at that point, I might as well just get the Wario. Just get the duplicate. Who yeah. cares? And I'll just... We'll just store that Wario, not with the Smash Brothers Amiibo. I think we should... We put him with the other Warios. I think we should turn this podcast the into Shrine. the Wario show. Well, oh, like, you do kind of have one. Yeah, that's like a Wario Belder Shrine somewhere. Yeah, back there. Yeah. I'm starting to think we should just turn this podcast into how can I convince you to spend more money on more <laughs> stuff you don't need. Like, just two hours of it every two weeks. It, it, I probably can get you to buy some stuff. So apparently Best Buy does charge you right when you pre-order it. I thought no, it was... they charge you when, they sh- uh, when the order is being processed. Which it just happened to my Mega Man Amiibo, like, today. Which I guess for me happened to be last December for Meta Knight. 
Oh, well, that's weird. Yeah, that's like, cause... My, me- my uh, Mega Man was just charged today. So for those of you who, I guess, either want, like, to just pre-order it and wait on paying, you might as well go to Amazon first as your priority. Well, Best Buy, to Best Buy's credit, they have not charged me until it's been ready at all. But I did in-store pickup, oh, yeah, which might no, be different. For, for the most part, like, I guess I'm fine with either, but... I mean, I, I guess in this case it was nice because I was expecting to be charged right, right. then when, it, when I got the email that you already saw. But then I was like, wait, I don't see a charge anywhere. And then I looked back and then I was like, whoa, it's it already charged. Well, I guess that's nice. It almost felt like I got it for free because it's been so long. <laughs> you already made back that money. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, that's something to be said. But this stuff is weird. Sometimes they'll charge you up front. Sometimes they'll wait till it ships. So, I don't know. Yeah, it depends on the price of the item. I've noticed. Yeah. More expensive. No, no, you're right. The more expensive, the sooner. Because mm-hmm. they like their money. I mean, the pre-order thing for them is kind of a scam, where they're like, oh, give us five bucks, and we'll sell it for a year and collect interest, and then give you your game. <sighs> yeah. I mean, everyone requires a deposit, but, like, Target does $1. That's how they all should do it. Yeah. But well, anyway... I, I see people want to pay it off in payments. It's kind of like layaway. <laughs> yeah, it it's, it's, it's preemptively. It's like pre-release layaway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want this thing? Like, go to Walmart. It's like, hey, buy this now, and you can pay for it over next year. Go to GameStop. Hey, you want this in a year? Buy it now and pay leading up to it. I mean, that is kind of nice, though, because once you have it, you have it. Like, yeah. you don't have to worry about payments. But no, yeah, you just go pick it up. And imagine if car loans were like that. It's like, oh, you want to get this new uh, Corvette? Great. We're going to need one monthly payment for 36 months, and then we'll give you the car. <laughs> That'd be awful. Anyway. Uh, that was a long tangent. Yeah. What? That was also quite the tangent. It was. But uh, let's get back on track. We're actually kind of done with Amiibo, but the other, one of the other major things talked about. I don't about, think anyone's ever done with Amiibo. No, I'm a compulsive amiibo buyer. People that, that they weren't gonna get into amiibo. Like me, I said I was only gonna get yeah. two. I have like nine. I also know of one person in particular who won't be. Oh one. yeah, he's a listener. No. Oh no, well, isn't he? No, well yeah, he is. Well actually, I was, I was referring to another person. Yeah, this. Person. Well, you know, two people where this happened. I think. Oh yeah, well one person said they weren't gonna collect them. Saw my collection, then immediately went amiibo. Spreading that Nintendo yeah. gospel, you are. But um, no, but there was someone else who was only gonna get three and only three. Right. And now has, I believe, twelve. That sounds but, like me almost. But I think he's trying to buy themselves out. Like just, I mean, they, 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 oh, they want to cash out. They want to cash uh, out. But so he's flipping. Yeah, and he's he was, amiibo flipping. And I was only gonna keep three, but now he's back to. Yeah, you know, he made a list of only the ones he wants, which ended up being like twenty. So he's an amiibo flipper. They exist. They're also known as scalpers if you want to be a little. Oh, yeah, mean. But, but it sounds like he's going to end up keeping them. Just oh, because they well. can, they're, they're in the one that he kind of wants. But he, yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I wasn't playing. It's a drug. Well, it's funny because I wasn't playing to keep. Like, we fit trainer. I bought, like, I should keep it in the packaging just in case. It might be worth something one day. I have zero plans of selling it, but I haven't yeah. taken it out of its packaging. I don't know. I'm kind of glad I opened them. I don't know. I'm going to go through and open a bunch of mine. I have, like, they're scattered around my house. It's really oh, weird. I'm just scanning them and just, like, Playing with them is just fun. Even See, if, I even just like the, the characters. I don't care right. about, but um, yeah, it's just the amiibo. I mean, obviously, I do keep some stuff in the package, but yeah. Uh, for those who can't see his room, which is all of you because this is audio only, uh, I'm currently sitting against a wall that has I don't know over a dozen uh, figurine Ninja Turtle figurines all in their original packaging, just hanging on the wall. More than a dozen. I'm just kidding. There's like thirty. I just turned around and saw more in the other direction. It's it's intense. He he is a show. His room is a showroom. It's actually it's actually quite nice. It's it's, it's well laid oh, out. Thank you. But um, I try. <laughs> that did sound honest. I, I try. I try. <laughs> but uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, no, I have like 
amiibo scatter in my house. Like I'll like I'll go sit on my laptop in one room and there's like three amiibo just sitting on top of a speaker next to me. Like I we have these big speakers from like the eighties. And it's just like they're just sitting there, like not doing anything, just there. And I'll go into my room, there's like a stack of three more like on my desk, and then like I'll go into where my the Wii U and stuff is my T V room and there's like four on the shelf opened. It's just like they're all over. There's like one un- in a desk chair, like on a chair randomly. I mean, did it's, they at least look like they were perfectly put there? Just no, they're just like there. stacked. Oh. Like, well, the ones next to my laptop are like vertically stacked, so you can actually see them. But like the ones in my room on my desk are in their Best Buy bags, just oh, horizontally. Maybe he just came home, put them there. Put them down and went, I, I'm afraid to open these. Perfect. And then just didn't do anything with them. Oh. But I'm very happy I have them. And I like to think, <laughs> oh yeah, I do have Little Mac. Oh yeah, I do have Toon Link, yeah, which is very really common. It's pretty much because of the you're yeah. not happy until you know you own it, and then you kind of continue on with your life. Yeah, that's like me with video games. Weirdly, I mean, that's why I don't finish my games. I'm like, I owned it, I played it. I mean, did anything change <laughs> when I got any one of those? The Ninja Turtles in the wild? No, but yeah, you can't do anything with any of them. They're just kind of stuck there, yeah, but... staring at you as you sleep, watching you, you sleep at all times. Anyway, let's get back on track. We've done <laughs> a lot of amiibo chat. So, um, the other, what I was saying is one of the other major things that I want to talk about at the financial briefing. Because remember, remember everyone, about 20 minutes ago, we were talking <laughs> about this briefing that happened. That's what we had the time for. And, and, uh... We should have made a time for tirade on... We should put down it. We should put down our timestamps. It's just, like, tangent about car loans. <laughs> <laughs> and then last episode, we should have put the Chris Pratt tangent. Which, by the way, Chris Pratt update, everyone. For those who have listened, you know, I met Chris Pratt a year ago. Well, Jose, at the Hot Tub Time Machine 2 premiere just yesterday, or, yeah, yesterday, met Chris Pratt. Or not yesterday, earlier in the week. Really, met Chris Pratt. two people allowed to enter who were that lucky. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about living in L.A., folks. There are opportunities. Well, they offer the first time, then I offer the second time. Twice. And now they're biffles. But no, uh, he, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, uh, I just said yeah, no, and then proceeded to say yeah, no, because I could talk with no <laughs> thought in between. Uh, what was I starting to say? Oh, yeah, the thing about living in L.A. is there's so many, like, movie premieres and things, and there's different websites you can sign up for. So if you don't live in L.A., Come to LA and go see something. Like I'm seeing a taping of the Late Late Show, or I saw by the time this goes up. The Late taping. Late Show. That's what it's called. The, the show after Larman, which is the, the Late, late show. show. Yeah, because see, Larman's the Late Show, and then this show is the Late Late Show because it's later than Larman, so it's not just late; it's doubly late. Huh? Yeah, I lost my water cap. Anyway, um, water yeah, so I'm seeing that with like Will Arnett, Jimmy Kimmel, David Cross, and John Krasinski of The Office, Jim on The Office. I think I recognize two of those. Yeah, David Cross is Tobias. I'm arrested. Huh. Will Arnett is Job uh, and Bojack. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I think you know who Jimmy Kimmel is. Uh, he's a late night host on a competing network. But anyway, yeah, that was the guy that we got there and then we didn't get in. Uh, uh, we're getting way off track. So we'll brag about our Hollywood connections later. Let's talk the financial briefing. Connection? Yeah. Oh. Mean tweets. That's him too. Uh, I can't say I'm familiar with that one. That's where he has celebrities retweets that are mean about them oh, and then yeah, look sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, wow. wow, this episode, <laughs> we are really putting the random in Ram Nintendo. Uh, so, yeah, uh, at the financial briefing, Amiibo is the big thing, but there's also some talk about 3DS. This is probably worth mentioning. Uh, we talked last episode about how the 3DS is not doing so hot. Specifically, um, it's down year over year and it's underperforming where the Game Boy Advance was at its point in its life and as Nintendo's weakest handheld up till now the Game Boy Advance so yeah not too good not too good uh, and I want to kind of touched on it and explain exactly what happened that caused it to go down so the crux of the issue is uh, pretty much what we expected in Japan sales were up new 3DS came out new 3DS XL came out everything was dandy in the US and Europe however there was no 3DS for sale but 
there was certainly awareness that there is going to be a new 3DS because they announced it in every other part of the world. So us here just kind of sat and waited, which Nintendo probably didn't expect as much as it happened because um, basically I made a point like, oh yeah, usually software sells hardware. So we'll put out a game like Smash Bros or we'll put out a game like Pokemon and that'll drive hardware sales way up. And then he went on to say, but in this case... People are like, well, I really want that software, but I also really want that hardware that's not here yet, so I'm just going to sit and wait and get both later on. So he, he says that's a significant amount of what caused the 3S to be down specifically here in the States. Uh, and also, if you're wondering why we didn't get the new 3S XL, one, I'm going to toot my own horn here. One of my original theories was there was some secret production issue, like they were going to do it and then they couldn't, and I would have said during the Q&A that went hand-in-hand with this financial briefing, yep, there are production issues that prevent us from getting it out worldwide. So, who knows what it was, or how if they could prevent well, it. Well, we would have just gotten the XL. Right? Probably, yeah. probably. But, uh, the whole release. Yeah. But I think I was onto something with the... Like, I don't think he's just kind of BSing about people sitting and waiting. They seem to actually be sitting and waiting. Because NPD numbers for January came out, and this is where we slipped slightly in the Jason Sales Corner. And um, basically what we learned is that in January 2014, the 3DS sold 97,000 units. That was a year ago. This January, and that's not even that great. This January, the 3DS sold 74,000 units. So it actually dropped by over um, 20,000. Right in the time frame that Iwata said, yeah, people just sat and waited for it. So it kind of matches up with what he's saying. And then to further that point, he shared some numbers about the new 3DS XL launch here in the US and Europe. And it's doing quite well in those first few days. In fact, it's making up for the loss and much more than that from January MPD. So... Based on the fir- first three days of sales here in the U.S., at least I think it's either two or three, uh, the 3DS XL, the new one, significantly outsold the launch of the 3DS XL back in August of 2012. So what we saw is in three days here in the U.S., they sold 175,000 of those new 3DSs. The XL that came out in 2012, they sold 50,000 of in that same three-day window. In other words... Yeah, people were sitting and waiting, and there's some pent-up demand, and then when they released it, people were finally like, yes, I can go buy it, and bought that, and bought Smash Bros, and bought Majora, and bought Pokemon, and whatnot. So, um, in fact, those limited systems, limited edition systems helped even further, because the Majora's Mask one and the Monster Hunter systems, both of which are now basically sold out, uh, that helped drum up these sales a lot, and he called them out specifically, which makes me think we're going to see more limited edition everything in the future. There are definitely a lot of limited edition 3DS and 3DS XL mm-hmm. at some point. Well, but they didn't do them in the same way. There wasn't the scalper culture around them. There wasn't Nintendo calling them limited. They just called it like the Mario edition or the you know Yoshi. the holiday Yoshi or like the Yoshi's Island 3DS. They uh, didn't say limited time Yoshi's. Yeah. yeah, there's a ton, but they don't usually call them on the box like limited. Yeah, and they That's their new word that they discovered. I ever... No, no, they always they always seem readily available. Okay. Yeah, and these these I mean I want to make a point in the briefing that these were sold out before launch day. They sold out of pre orders completely, both of them. So or at least, well I mean we've seen them go on sale on Target like on launch day, but Nintendo's saying that pre sales sold out. So given that success, we're gonna see a lot more of this, I bet. But uh, it's kind of just a matter of time now of seeing if that momentum can keep going, because now all these people have these things, and more people are going to be buying them, but they need the games to go with it, which was kind of Iwata's other point, because uh, things are, you know, they need a big ticket games, and things are going. I mean, back to January MPD for a sec, Smash Bros. and Pokemon continue to, like, do gangbusters. Uh, in January, a typically slow month, Pokemon sold another 150,000 units here in the U.S., which means 
Here in the States, since it came out in October, it's at 2.7 million. That's both versions combined, but that's still pretty good. Smash Bros. moved another 90,000, the 3DS version, bringing 3DS version's uh, sales here in the U.S. since October. I sure as Pokemon came out in November, not October, I misspoke. But that brought uh, Smash on 3DS to U.S. sales of 2.1 million, which is also pretty good. So those are the kind of those are the games that like are continuing to sell and probably will get a boost from the new 3DS. But even then, the launch games of the new 3DS XL really got a boost because of the launch. Majora's Mask and Monster Hunter did quite well. They much like they did the hardware. I wanna yeah yeah Monster Hunter actually did shockingly well. But what I wanna did basically what I did with the hardware numbers, where he's like, here's the first couple days of sales of these games compared to their predecessors. So in the case of Zelda, he compared it to A Link Between Worlds, which. You could argue that Ocarina of Time might be a more accurate read. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but he compared the two, and Majora's Mask managed to sell over 350,000 copies in, those, in like the three days between when it came out and when they had this briefing. Now, a big chunk of that is obviously the limited editions. There are probably a ton of people that weren't going to buy it at launch, and then were like, you know what? I want Skull Kid, and bought it. And uh, similarly, Monster Hunter probably saw a similar thing, because um, the 350,000... Oh, I got their print Right. Uh, well, no, I don't even mean the hardware bundles. I mean the software bundles, the collector's editions. Oh. These are, I think, I don't know if these include hardware in their tallies. I don't think so. In, in the case of Zelda, it certainly doesn't because it wasn't bundled. But yeah, so Zelda sold 350000 of Majora's Mask versus A Link Between Worlds, which came out during the holidays in its first three days, only selling about 200000 Then Monster Hunter, the numbers are smaller, but the percentage is nuts. Uh, it went, Monster Hunter 4 sold over roughly over 100000 in those three days, which is pretty good. Considering Monster Hunter 3 on 3DS sold 50,000. Oh, it wow. doubled it. That's the power of Nintendo doing cooperative marketing with you. Because remember, like, for a while, while I was saying, oh, we're going to work with Japanese developers to help bring their games overseas and to help, like, promote the games. Boom. Yeah, really Launch title, custom too. 3DS, in the TV commercials. It's yeah, everywhere. They were really pushing, like, they were really pushing hard how many, like, 9 out of 10 they got and all that. Yeah, it's, and not that, but, like, Nintendo, they have, I don't know if you saw those kind of stupid commercials with the YouTubers. Oh. Yeah, so Nintendo, like, they aired it during Walking Dead and Bear Call Saul, which was genius because Walking Dead's the biggest cable show ever, and Bear, Bear Call Saul is the highest rated debut of any new, any cable show. Not, like, special, not the Super Bowl, not the Grammy, like, show of the year, which isn't saying much because it's only been two months. But still, um, they both did quite well, so to buy time slots to show off the new 3DS, that's great. Problem is, the ad was kind of bleh. It's just a bunch of YouTubers looking at the 3DS and going like, "Wow, look at how look at the depth! Oh man, check out the C stick! Oh, I love Zelda!" And then like seeing is believing, to be, or have you seen it? That's the new slogan. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing is believing. That was better. That was back in the original 3DS. But yeah, so they've been putting Monster Hunter right alongside Zelda in these major ads on like the biggest shows on television. So it's getting quite the push from Nintendo. Um, do they ever have a slogan that was step inside, or that's all now? No, jump in, Xbox. Hmm. Not anymore for 3D, but I guess. I yeah, I don't think there's a step inside. There's a jump in. There's seeing is believing. Live in our world, like, our world playing ours with PlayStation. Yeah, I don't think so. But but yeah, so um, what I was point was with all these numbers and what my what point I'm trying to convey is now that they have the system selling, the goal to keep them selling is we gotta keep doing the big ticket games. They gotta keep pushing Pokemon, they gotta keep pushing Smash Bros. as kind of evergreen titles, and they gotta keep introducing new stuff like Majora's Mask, Monster Hunter. They had a whole list in their slide of what else is coming out. We have, pro we have Codename Steam, we have Xenoblade. Nothing else has really been confirmed for America, though. So, yeah. we'll see. 
like girls mode 3 aka style savvy 3 i don't think that's gonna push xl systems because the xl is very clearly marketed at gamers like hardcore game like core gamers i mean yeah, monster man. hunter xenoblade hardcore style savvy 3 for all those reasons. it's true actually it's supposed to be a very good sim but uh not the right graphic i i there's a demo for trendsetters i believe on the eShop. so it. i could try it out I will. I'll report back next episode about Style Savvy. I'm serious. I, will. I tried that baby game. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Next episode. Stay tuned in to episode 92, everyone. We're going to be talking about Style Savvy Trendsetters. I'll tell you what my fashionista is wearing and how you come up just like her in five easy steps. Anyway, uh, so the other thing. So that's one half of the equation. The other half is I want to say that they're going to push an old concept that's kind of coming back as new again, much like everything in this episode. And that is the idea of local play. Local multiplayer, wireless local multiplayer. Apparently, we, I didn't really take note of this, but Pokemon, Smash Bros, Monster Hunter, Japan's uh, Yokoi Watch, or however you say it, the level 5 game, all of those have a big local multiplayer element. Uh, Smash Bros, I don't think I want to mention by name, but he did mention the other three. And the idea there is, oh, all these people are congregating with their 3DSs and playing locally. And if they're in the right environment, a Comic-Con, a gaming expo, a street pass meet, other people will see. They'll go, oh, that looks fun. What is that? And then kind of maybe go buy a 3DS. That's kind of the mindset. What is that? What, 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 what do you have there? Well, where do you get one of them fandangles? Yeah, but I, th- I, think part of the, I think part of the idea behind um, doing it now in particular is because if they go to events where everyone has old 3DSs, you know, the original, the XL, they'll see the 3D on the new one. They'll see the new C-Stick and they'll be like, Whoa, this is actually really cool. I mean, have like, you have you seen it? And then they'll like go the buy it. It's like the new 3DS. It's like, it's like the same, but different. But Or to quote the interview, same, same, but different. But uh, I think that's from the interview, right? But no, it's, um, yeah, it's kind of a smart, it's basically Street Pass 2.0. Because I, I still believe to this day that the idea behind Street Pass was that you were gonna, it's getting you to go out in the world with your 3DS, sit down on a bus, look at your 3DS, and have someone else on the bus go, what is that? What wireless 3D? Or, be that guy that was or 3DS 3D, I, yeah. Or do the guy that's like air high fiving yeah. other 3DSs, yeah. But uh, yeah, glasses 3D, not wireless 3D. But yeah, it's the original idea was to get the 3DS out in the world for people to see. Because what Nintendo was trying to do a street pass was mimic the viral the viral nature of the Wii. Because the Wii got popular because everyone saw everyone playing it at family gatherings. They saw them playing it at events, and then they're like, man. That looks fun. I want to do that. And Nintendo's trying to make the 3D thing happen where people go, man, that's cool. You don't need glasses. I need to buy one. Hmm. I don't know if it worked. Street Pass kind of took on its own separate So the path. slogan is what they expect people to say. What? Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. In this case, it is. Yeah. But um, like the Street Pass, I feel like it didn't end up doing quite what Nintendo wanted, but became its own beast where now they do like National Street Pass weekends and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, I think this local play thing is basically Street Pass 2.0. In terms of the, the marketing goals involved. So, Raw didn't say any of that stuff. He just said, we're going to do local play. But that, that's my thinking. Um, so, lastly, the final thing from the investor meeting, and then we could talk about some games and stuff, is the Wii U. That is still a thing, the Wii U. It's chugging along. It's slowly but steadily increasing. Um, since we were kind of talking about MPD, might as well throw it in now. Nintendo confirmed that here in the U.S. in January... The Wii U is, in fact, continuing to chug along. Uh, hardware sales were up 30%, which means it sold about 63,000 oh, units. Up. They are now. That's the nice thing. They weren't for a long time. But, yeah, so it's up to 63,000, which is, you know, it's still much less than the competitors, but 
it's getting there. It's it, it's carving its own little niche. Out. It's having a mo a very modest renaissance. Uh, so that's good. And software did even better with a 45% jump year over year, probably driven a lot by Mario Kart. Haha, <laughs> driven. And Smash Bros. Uh, in fact, Smash Bros. sold another 90,000, much like Smash Bros. on 3DS did. They both sold 90,000 more, which brings Smash Bros. We use US sales to 1.7 million already, which is which is pretty good. So um, I want to point out that the slow build of sales... Um, yeah, he point. Sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. He pointed out there was a slow build of sales. What I was trying to say, and that uh, they're coping, hoping to continue this by doing more games that emphasize the gamepad. Tell me if you've heard that one before. Their big thing is, hey, we need to show off the gamepad, and or only use the gamepad. Yeah, and here, here's the part I don't understand. He's like, yeah, we've had great success because we've shown how valuable the gamepad is. We're gonna keep showing it. Your biggest games are Mario Kart Eight, where the pad is a horn, and Smash Bros, where your pad is literally just the stats of who's fighting on the TV. There is nothing Sometimes there. Not even that. When you do eight three smash, it's just the pictures. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's nothing. Like I get what he means. They both have off TV play. They both have um, uses. They have uses. The gamepad on Mario Kart can be like the DS map, like the map on the DS. We that makes sense. It's very helpful at times. But like I wouldn't say they're showing the power of the gamepad or anything like that. But he did put up a slide that showed the games that will so supposedly like you need an open world game to do that. Which I guess like Watch Dogs and or. Which Watch Dogs didn't even really do very well. But, you know what will do it well? Xenoblade and Zelda. And he put up a slide in the presentation where he said, see all these games on the screen? And it was like every announced game we know of. They will demonstrate it. And I was looking at it. I'm like, Mario Maker? Yeah, that definitely will. I mean, it got delayed. It was supposed to be out the first half of this year. Now it's not until sometime in the fall. Uh, but that's going to do it better than most. Splatoon's going to do it really well because you use it to monitor the battle and launch yourself through the air to different spots by tapping. Xenoblade's going to do it super well because of the map. Zelda's going to do it super well because of the map, where it's actually integral. Because of the map. Because uh, of the map. Uh, Star Fox is going to do it in motion map. control and because of the map. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a map. But the list was like a pretty hefty list. And I was like, you know, all these actually kind of make sense for the first time. So there's that hope. There's that glimmer of hope. Um, one game that I did not expect to see on there, though, Project Giant Robot is a separate thing still. As you may recall, I don't know if you remember, but E3 last oh, yeah, year, the, the, the yeah, Miyamoto demo. Miyamoto had three demos to show off the gamepad: Star Fox, Project Giant Robot, and Project Guard. Project Guard, you're creeping around a maze with security cameras. Project Giant Robot was Rock and Sock and Robot, where you use the gamepad as a giant motion controller. And Star Fox is Star Fox. Guard is not on the slide of games that are coming in 2015. Giant Robot is. My theory at the time was that Robot and Guard were going to end up being folded into Star Fox. It looks like Robot might be its own thing still. I would imagine because Rock'em Sock'em Robots, how, you can go, how can you go wrong? You can build a game around that. And and I guess Project Guard, maybe that's within Project uh, Giant Robot now? Or maybe, maybe it's in Star Fox? Or maybe it's nothing. Maybe, maybe nothing will come of it. Maybe you have to stop Little Robot before you get to... Yeah, you have to stop on the security camera before you can work up to the... To the Giant Robot. Yeah. Maybe. Project maybe. Little Robot. But, uh... Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, Project Guard did feel like it could be a Wii Party minigame, easily. But Robot, and so did Project Giant Robot, but I could see it turning into a real game. So that was one interesting thing that that slide unintentionally showed. It also mentioned Star Fox, which led to uh, kind of a bubbling up in that Game Informer, around the same time as this briefing happened, claimed that Star Fox is going to support both motion control and standard control. And the internet went, what? And was all excited, and I went, didn't we know this for like a year? I'm pretty sure from the start it was known that Star Fox, I might be wrong, but I assumed all along that Star Fox would have a motion option and a stick option. 
You don't have a flying game with dual sticks and not give you the option to use the dual sticks. Like, that just struck me. Like, the internet went crazy. Like, everyone's like, oh, Star Fox will have normal controls. Maybe it will be good. I'm like, it was going to all along. This isn't crazy. And for all I know, Game Informer doesn't necessarily. Why would they get that one tidbit of news from Nintendo and nothing else? In a one-paragraph blurb about games in 2015. Either they just remember from E3, which is what I think happened, and everyone else forgot. Or they made something up because it's likely, because it will happen. It's just, I don't know, the, the frenzy over this I just thought was extremely weird. I'm very happy that's the case, but I assumed it was always the case. Like it, motion controls as a full Star Fox game just doesn't—it doesn't seem like that would work. Because like if you're sitting on your couch, how do you? If, if you're sitting on a couch you and you have cock, obviously what you need a spinny chair, obviously. I guess, but like, <laughs> but like you have like you know because the gamepad they've confirmed is cockpit view, and then you have the cinematic view on the TV. So yeah, you'd have to spin around and look like a fool. And what if you're like trying to do off TV play? There we go. Hey, internet. Off TV play, the game's gonna support it. How on earth would that work if you had to only use motion control? It would probably work the same because you would just motion around. You just wouldn't have the other. View. But the whole point of off TV play is to play not when you're on the TV, but in the same room. So Nintendo's gonna encourage you to spin around in the middle of the room, blocking the TV from whoever's trying to watch it. You have to block the TV because I feel I feel like any game that has I feel like all the off TV play games give you button input. Because the whole point is you're not distracting anyone from doing what they want to do. So if you're sitting there swinging... I mean, I could be totally off base. But if you're sitting there swinging your controller around, I feel like that's kind of still distracting. Oh, yeah. You could just pop it down and use the controller. Yeah. Or use the controls on the gamepad. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I think it's going to happen. And speak, you know, speaking of things that the internet seem to have made big deals out of lately... So Iwata, separate from the financial briefing, did an interview with uh, Nikkei newspaper in Japan. I think that's how you call it. How you say it in the K. Yeah. I had to think about that. And uh, in the interview, he made a n- reference to Nintendo building an app that will let you create a Mii character and share it outside of the Nintendo world, outside of their games, outside of the Miiverse. Or import your current ones? Uh, or, and presumably. All he says is it will be a Mii app to share Miis in the larger space, basically. Um, and again, the internet went kind of crazy. There are news stories everywhere about this Mii app. And again, I was sitting here going... We knew that a year ago, which leads me to a bigger question. How on earth is Nintendo still working on an iPhone and Android app where all you do is make a me? How is that? They are a major international developer. They have tons of people that know how to code. They build their own hardware and software architectures. And yet they can't make an app where it's like copy, paste a me and share it on Twitter. How is that? There's clearly either Nintendo's stupid which I don't think is the case, or they're trying to avoid, like, they're trying to dodge questions about their app. Maybe it's a misdirect. Maybe they have some big plan for their app and they're not telling us, so instead they're just like, oh, yeah, you can make me's in it, but that's only one facet of it. Like, maybe it's like the PlayStation app. Yeah, like, maybe it's like the PlayStation app where you can check friends lists, you can buy games, you can see what your friends are playing. Maybe you live stream their games somehow, even though the Wii U doesn't have the chips to do that. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe there's a component with, like, companion apps built in like a universal companion app so you can have a pokedex you can have a map you can have a i don't know what it would kind of make the gamepad worthless so maybe not maybe there's gonna be a whole arcade within it a mario auto runner a sonic jump style i don't know kirby jump i don't know there's any sort of there's options there's things that could be doing so maybe this is all redirect but how is it possible that they're still trying to build this app two years ago two years ago 2013, 
they went on record at one of these financial briefings saying, yeah, we know we need to make a nap. We're working out. We're having, you know, we're trying to, we're getting there. 2014, they then said, a year ago, last February, I looked this up because I wrote an article about it at the time. They said, we're trying to find the hook for the app. We're making an app. We understand the value of an app, but we don't want it to be a game. We want, but we need a hook. That was in February. Then in April, May, sometime, maybe even in the fall. We'll give them the fall. Sure, benefit of that. Uh, they then go, okay, we found our hook. It took us forever. Have you heard of these things called me's that we have? Because we're going to take those and just put them in an app, and that's our hook. They'll be ready soon. And now here we are at least nine months later, six to nine months later, and they're going, yeah, so we have this me app. It's going to be really great, but it's not going to be ready till at least after the fiscal year, at least April, probably later. How is that possible? It'd be perfect. It better be perfect because, like, it's insane that I wrote that article a year ago. Nintendo's mobile calling. It's an extra on the site. Go around to com, check it out. I mean, you've seen it, but people listening. In it, I quote I water saying we're trying to find our hook, and then I lay out three options: companion app, individual like mini games that kind of get you interested in the franchise, or even just like the PlayStation app, where it's just like a, you know tells you what's going on in the Nintendo network. Any of those would work. That was a year ago. I read the article again after I saw this interview. It's still 100% applicable to what's happening right now, a year later. If Facebook said, we'll make an app, and then took three years to do it, Facebook wouldn't exist anymore. If, like, Sega is abandoning consoles to do mobile games now. If they took this long to make an app, they would not be a company anymore. How know. How is Nintendo having this issue? Didn't it's not Nintendo that hard. Kind of like, well, obviously it was all concept or just whatever but when they revealed the Wii U remember with yeah. action figure guy they had like they were like oh I'll be right back and then they had the, the friends hanging out on the like on some patio or some Netflix yeah. and they were just playing with the they were like, downloading games to the eShop right or well, checking Miiverse or something they, they, they were checking they, Miiverse yeah, they were checking Miiverse but which looked, is doable but it looked more more fleshed out than the one because they had. showed an app and not a mobile yeah. website yeah. yeah how about that or how about I guess I guess I should I guess I should dial it down I should give Nintendo a little not credit that's the wrong word it did take them two years to implement the current uh, purchase on Nintendo.com and download to your console remotely feature. Because did you know, if you go to Nintendo.com and look at a game page now, like Smash Bros. or Captain Toad, there's a button that says Buy Now, and if you click it, you go to checkout.nintendo.com, takes you to a page, you enter your Nintendo Network ID, pay for it, and it will download to your console while you're at your work computer buying it. And then when you come home, it's ready. Too bad, I have to buy physical it's, copies. Yeah, see, I'm the and same way. I'm the same way. I like physical. But it took them two years to implement that. At least. So maybe an app is a little too hard for them. I don't know. Maybe they can't handle architectures that aren't their own. But I just find it so mind-boggling that we're this many years removed. Wait, didn't? No, though. Especially when Iwata keeps saying, we understand it's important, we understand the value, it's a way to entice new players. So we're going to go ahead and sit on it for a few years. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, speaking of apps, did... Um... Pokemon just let the Pokedex die? They're not going to update it with Kalos Pokemon? They, might, they may eventually, but yeah, as of now, it's basically dead. Yeah, because even if they do, like, the models there are way more detailed than the ones that are in the game. Because they're, like, cel-shaded, and these yeah. are more like Pokemon reviews. My suspicion is it did not perform as well as they were hoping it would, specifically the iOS version. Yeah, well, with the prices. Exactly. And they're like, well, it's not worth our money or time. Or it's not worth any investment to, to do it. Yeah. Honestly, it should have been free. It should have been a marketing move. It should have strictly been a thing that gets you interested in Pokemon to buy the game. Because there's no game in it. This yeah, is what I'm saying that Nintendo simple. can do. It's, it's a companion app. You can get on the internet for free. Yes. So it should, I can ask Siri for Pokedex info. I mean, it's basic, but she will give me Pokedex info. So, like, through Wolfram, Wolfram Alpha, it's doable. So, yeah, I think... 
Pokemon Company made a bit of a blunder to one, charge for it, two, charge that much for it, and three, then go, well, no one bought it, time to stop. It's a long-term play to engage people in your product. You make it free, you give it to them, and then they go, wow, there's some cool new Pokemon. Oh, I would love to try this guy in battle. I guess I should get a 3DS and Omega Ruby. Yeah, it, like, it makes sense as a marketing tool. It does not make sense as a thing you purchase. They're looking at it backwards. It shouldn't be for current players of the games on 3DS. It should be to get people to go play the game on 3DS. Yeah. I mean, it could even integrate gameplay footage. Have it be that if you're looking at attack information, click in, it doesn't, and it shows you a clip of the, what the attack looks like in-game. Or something. And then you get, you know, trailers and that sort of thing. There are ways they could have done this a lot better. And I'm hoping... See, that was Pokemon Company, though. So I'm hoping Nintendo realizes this. And whatever crazy scheme they have for their Mii app, I'm hoping it's something more along those lines. But we shall see. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of weird, though, because I feel like the... I feel like the situation with the mobile app currently and Nintendo being really slow with it kind of embodies everything that was weird about this whole financial briefing they had. Because basically we had Iwata come out. And, okay, first, to Nintendo's credit, yeah, they did stuff right. Wii U slowly moving up. 3DS XL seems to be a successful launch that may potentially turn around sales, which is needed. But then we don't really know what they're doing. Iwata's basically like, yeah, we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing. Gamepad enhancements. Big ticket games for the 3DS. Yep, that's that's it. That's our plan. And all the investors and everyone like us are saying they're like, okay, what about quality of life? What about new IPs? What about your smartphone plan? What are you doing broader than just the same thing you've been doing for the last two years? And he didn't have an answer. This felt like it was kind of just like going through the paces. I guess for whatever reason they're waiting until April. Maybe they're doing something very drastic. So they're waiting until April to make the announcement after their fiscal year closes out. But it's just weird. Because like, usually January, we said this at the very top of the show, usually January is the big month. The one where they do like a blowout. That's This is where they announced handhelds in the past at this briefing. Like entirely new ones. The DS and the uh, 3DS were first announced in a press release that coincide with these briefings. So I'm not sure why Nintendo's now like, oh, we're just keeping the status quo. I mean, yeah, they're making a profit. Again. They're just trying to keep it brief. But, ha, ah, I see what you did there. But it's just, I don't know, it just seems like really weird that they didn't say anything, really. Like, it's all very mysterious. So, in April, we'll obviously be talking about all the more interesting stuff with quality of life, which I wanted to confirm during the Q&A is still on track for 2017 fiscal year, so that's happening. But, um, we'll talk about that, the IPs, the smartphone apps, that's all coming. Next episode, we might have a little more about this, simply because the Q&A is out, but it's only in Japanese. So I skimmed over like a Google translation of it, and it was really janky. But when if there's anything in the official English translation of note that we haven't talked about, we can bring out next episode. But I did mention IPs, and IPs, and it's kind of a good segue into one final bit of news. Um, we may be hearing about all of Nintendo's crazy own, you know, their own IPs in April. But you know, one IP we will not be hearing about is Harry Potter. And under normal circumstances, someone's gonna be like, "Well, duh! You also won't be hearing about Spider-Man or like." Lego loss or you know uh, anything like that yeah it is but uh, I don't know why I picked I didn't want to say Lord of the Rings because it's too much like Harry Potter so I was like I'll pinpoint an elf but um, yeah so it's true normally it wouldn't be a thing but Unseen 64 which I don't know if you've ever been to this site but it's a really cool site that shows all this like unreleased games you know beta footage alpha footage pitches concept art they got their hands on a story about um, Nintendo trying to get the Harry Potter rights back in 1998 so when Harry Potter was first blowing up, um, 
J.K. Rowling was shopping around the rights. J.K. Rowling and Scholastic and wherever the British publisher are were shopping around the rights because they're like, oh, we can make a whole media empire out of this. And they weren't discriminating against what type of media. They said, we will take anyone. So Nintendo went, wait a minute, we could make games. We could get the Harry Potter rights exclusively and do games. So obviously in the end, Warner Brothers got the movies and EA got the games. And then EA stopped doing the games because they were kind of bleh. But Nintendo... Kind of like the first game. Yeah, the first one was okay. I, I, they got I, worse over I time. I played it um, entirely there. Yeah. yeah, I've never actually Not played any. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's... Uh, so Nintendo was like, oh, we'll, we'll... Let's pitch. So they got Nintendo Software Technologies, which is the US arm of their of their developers. They do... Uh, they did Metro Prime Hunters, Ridge Racer 64, Wave Race Blue Storm, every Mario vs. Donkey Kong in the world, more than you can count. They did all that stuff. And... Did Nintendo, something else? And it, yeah, I think it... Yeah, I feel bad for them. They're like um, the guys that develop Picross. All they do is make... Or Picross, or however you say it in Japan, Jupiter. All they do is make Picross games. They've made like seven of them just for uh, DSiWare in the eShop. It's just sad. Just for kicks. But no, um, so Nintendo basically told them stop developing everything and spend a week making pitches. So they had two games they were going to run with. A third-party or third-person adventure game, kind of like what EA made, and a Quidditch sports game, also like what EA ultimately made. Uh, they made concept art. It looked very British. It looked very Professor Layton-y, actually, based on the concept art. And, it, you know, it made sense. And then someone in Nintendo went, no, we're Japanese. Let's put an anime flair on it. Because Harry Potter, anime makes sense. So there's, like, some internal debate, and then the developers were forced to redraw everything anime-esque. Not, like, heavily anime, but influenced. And then they presented it to J.K. Rowling. And like, look, it's Japanese Harry Potter. And she's like, I'm going to make a bajillion dollars off of Warner Brothers. See ya. So nothing ever came of it. But imagine if Nintendo got Harry Potter. That would have been really cool. Because A, Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, A, imagine all the crossover stuff they could do with him. He would be in Smash Brothers. Not only that, but the Wii remote it would be perfect. Harry Potter launch game for the Wii. Imagine how big of a frenzy the Wii would have been beyond the crazy hype it already had. If there's a launch game Harry Potter game that was, or launch day Harry Potter game that was like super good and used the Wiimote, like if that was one of the demos, it's like, oh, you could play tennis with the Wiimote, or you could be a wizard in Hogwarts with the Wiimote. Could have even been the Robin. What? The Robin? From Smash Brothers? Oh, yeah, yeah, Harry Potter could have, yeah. I, for some reason, I thought Batman when you said that. Oh. But like, there, there are so many cool opportunities. Like, there's some alternate universe out there somewhere. Where Harry Potter did become an Nintendo uh, property, and there's like Mario and Harry at the Olympic Games instead of Mario and Sonic. Like there's, there's some weird world where Harry Potter and Nintendo are one and the same, and it's awesome. And I want to put it there, but it's just like there's so much potential that could have happened. Well, I mean, that multiverse does exist. I know, yeah. So I just need to figure out a way to jump over. But um, no, it's it. I really wish it happened. It's really cool, and it's always cool to hear like inside baseball about like the industry and how they like tried to like oh we tried to get the rights and then like someone internally screwed us over by saying naked anime and like that sort of stuff like the politicking of the industry always yeah. is interesting to me, which is why I'm so big on the sales too because it's all the politicking of all the politics. Hmm. I wonder if anything would have happened if they just kept it in the original idea, but. I feel like it would have had a better shot, but even then, I think, yeah. even then, to be honest, J.K. Rowling's not going to go, sure, I'd love to limit Harry Potter to just video games. Yeah. Now, the, the one hole in this story that I don't quite get is it sounded like Nintendo was fighting against EA, was fighting against, like, Warner Brothers in every conglomerate. But yet, EA ended up with the game right. So I wonder if Warner Brothers could have still have the movie, and then Nintendo had the game. Yeah, that's what I assumed it That's why I assumed it was, but he... rights to game rights. 
Yeah, but the way it was written, or the way I interpreted it, at least it sounded like it was like a fight for all the rights, period. And Nintendo entered that fray, which might have been the first mistake. They should have done just games. But either way, it's a, it's a cool what-if. It's a cool little random for random Nintendo. So, so that kind of does it for news, but um, at least covers Nintendo on like a company level. But there's, of course, games and the systems to play them on. And since we already talked so much about numbers and news with the new 3DS XL... I feel like we might as well kick off our impression segment, what we're playing, by talking about the hardware. I have it sitting right here. Well, it's in my coat pocket. I have it sitting... I, why am I ganging? No one can see it. This is audio. But yeah, so I bought it on launch day. I got a new black 3DS XL. I know it's called that. I know. I know. There's also a new red, which is equally bad. But uh, So yeah, I've been using it pretty heavily the past week, I guess. That means like 20 minutes? No, it means like 35 minutes. But no, I actually have been playing it a lot. So, um, so yeah, I'll have impressions of that. And then, Jose, chime in because you played the demo. You, you played, you messed with mine a little when I first got it, I feel like. So, is there anything you agree or disagree with? Just jump in. But, um, yeah, I kind of just. Everything? All right, cool. I kind of just want to, like, talk. I kind of want to rank the things. So, like, go point by point. So, I guess the first one is the Super Stable 3D because that's, that's the system seller, literally, is the Super Stable 3D. So, um,. I would say this alone, to me, was probably worth the upgrade. Uh, for those who somehow are unaware, what the new 3DS does is it has a face tracking a face tracking camera that uses special technology that tracks your eyes and your mouth, specifically. Which is a little weird. but um, And it will shift the 3D image to go with you. So there's no braking anymore, because instead of it being a fixed panel, the panels can like are fluids. They can Not like liquid, but fluid in the sense that they move. So if you slowly wiggle the system back and forth, if you're sitting on a bus, if you're sitting on a train and it's like a steady motion or anything like that, it will just move with you. You occasionally can see a little delay in the shift. Like it doesn't break, but you'll like tilt it and then you see it kind of like, it almost looks like you're like peering around a corner in the 3D kind of, like it kind of is like angled and it like comes back at you a little, if that makes sense. But I had a lot of trouble full on breaking it, like doing the double image. If you wiggle it like mad, like when I first tried it at demo unit, where it was tethered. I was like spinning all around all weird, but I was tethered, so I couldn't break it. Now that I own one and I can... I look like a total fool in the middle of Best Buy, by the way. Now that I own one and can like actually like try and break it, yeah, if you wiggle it the right way, you can kind of break it. But even then, it's not like a, it's not as bad as a normal 3DS. It never, I've never gotten it, no matter how hard I try, to do a full double image break, like uh, if you tilt the normal I, I would be able to break it pretty easily. Well, I'm going to get it out and try it right I now. Just, I just have to do a quick... like. What type of motion were you doing? Um, like left and right. I literally just did like a quick left right motion, and then it just broke right away. Like on, I, like I want to try to like see. Wait, were you wearing glasses at the time? Hmm? Were you wearing your glasses at the time? Well, I tried it with both, and then Victor tried it too. Well, our other friend Victor tried it too, and it was the same thing. Like it was just a quick little. It was just oh, little, yeah. Just, it was it was just like a quick little jerk, but it's. Like but see, this I don't even know if this is breaking because the 3D is not going non 3D. What's happening is because then it's just like because it's trying to match both your eyes. So what's happening at least when I wiggle it, I'm trying it right now is like no, no, that's like, I'm it, seeing that's like, it's just trying to track it, but it just messes up. You're just messing with the tracking. It's what we're doing as opposed to. I guess. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, I don't know if it's me or it that's breaking. Like when I wiggle it like that, well, yeah, I do the see the double that image. You lose but the 3D, that's basically I'm not it. losing it though. I'm just seeing it like. The, the Sma I'm on the Smash Bros. home icon. Cause like, it's still popping out. It's just everything behind is kind of wobbly. Because oh, like what happened... Um, oh, okay. I'm breaking cause, it. Because at least when I do it, 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 it just seemed more like, like, oh, I wiggled it. And then it's like, oh, it kind of like now has to hurry up and like catch up to where my face currently is. And then it just kind of like... Yeah, it's... It, I, it's, it's like it's calibrated. It's interesting because it's a different break than the old 3DS. The old 3DS, you literally see two. 
This one, you don't really see two, you just see it kind of jump around. Like, you kind of see two, but it's like... I don't know, it's different. I feel like it's a different... I don't know, I, I... I get what you mean, but to me, it looks a little different than the old brick. It's still breaking. Just differently, I guess? Here, you want to try? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just better. Yeah, no, but the 3D's yeah. great. So, um, ignoring that weird little thing, um, it does work extremely well, and I haven't had any trouble when I try and just play normally. You know, if I'm, like, lying on the couch and I shift my head a little, it will just go with me. It's perfect. I also went back and tried some games that are darker where the ghosting issue would be more common with the 3D. Like, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon was the one I specifically tried, and that, it's gone. There's no issue. Because it used to be, if you played Luigi's Mansion, there's dark areas and light areas. Like, you'd see a little bit of a shadowy double. Not really a shadow, but, like, a, out, a faint second Luigi or a faint second whatever, and I can't replicate it anymore. So it also took care of that. And the screen's really vibrant, too. Although I will say, uh, one thing I do not like is the auto brightness is really, like, it's either bright or it's not bright. There's, like, no... And it changes randomly, it seems. I mean, significant... It changes by significant amounts with very little change in lighting around you. So I would recommend just turning it off. I haven't done it yet, but I'm, I'm getting to the point where I might. Um, but it, it is really nice because, like, it completely alleviates the issue with playing on a train, playing on a bus, playing on a plane. Anything bumpy doesn't break. It's great. It's It's... Really great. And uh, there are some people, like, this is why I brought up the glasses, because there are some people online that are saying if they're wearing glasses, like you sometimes do, um, the lenses, it's tracking the lenses, like the lenses are throwing off the tracker because it's trying to find your eyes. So it will just like randomly break in places or shift to somewhere you're not at because like mm. the reflection in the glasses or how the light's hitting them. So, I mean, did you, when you played the demo unit, did you have your glasses on? I know you didn't have them when you tried mine. No, I did. Didn't, so that might have been partly why it was breaking so much easier. Yeah, but it also... Did it when you took them off, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. to... But there are some people that are, like, on NeoGAF, they're like, oh, yeah, I can't even use the thing because of my glasses. So it's, it's... I don't know if it's something to fix with software or what, but it's kind of an interesting interesting dilemma. But for me, the 3D is amazing. This is honestly... This system as a whole, specifically the 3D, is what the 3DS should have launched as in 2011. Now, I know the tech wasn't there, so it couldn't. But this, when Nintendo pitched glasses-free 3D, this is what they had in mind. It's like going from the Wii Remote to the Motion Plus. Wii Remote, it's like, oh, cool, I can sort of swing it. Motion Plus is like, oh, this is the one-to-one -one they were talking about when they first launched. Like, that's the type of upgrade we're talking here, to give you a good idea. Uh, the other thing, the other really thing I really, really like, and yes, I'm ranking it higher than the C-Stick, is the speed of the system. C-Stick's great, but the, uh, the how quick and uh, nimble feeling the system is is really good. So, like, I... Uh, it used to be when I'd open my notifications, which, by the way, date all the way back to launch in March 2011. It could take up to 30 seconds to just open notifications because I have so many. Now it takes me... discouraged even doing that. What? No, it definitely discourages even bothering. Yeah, exactly. Now it takes at most five seconds. Meverse used to take a good 30 seconds, 45 seconds to open on my old 3DS XL. Now on the new 3DS XL, it takes exactly the same as the Wii U. So like, I don't know, six, seven, eight seconds. So it's Smash Bros. obviously loads a lot faster. Games in general load a lot faster. It's... The eShop's notably faster. Downloads in particular are much faster. It's really nice. It made the, the system actually feels like... The software feels like it's actually built for the hardware. Like, I feel like the 3DS XL and the old 3DS, like the original 3DS XL, I felt like the software was almost getting too big for the britches of the hardware, if that makes sense. Like, they were pulling so much into it that it's starting to bog down, but it definitely was designed with the new Especially 3DS the in mind. Especially recent games, like Monster Hunter and Smash Brothers do the same thing, where... Like the system shuts down or restarts. Yeah, because they basically have to take... Because how it's set up is the 3S has a dedicated chip for the menu. And they have to take that chip and go, hey, you're not using the menu. You're not for the menu anymore. You need to help me power Smash or Monster Hunter. 
So then when you exit the game, the system has to reboot in order to shift the chip back. That's also why they take so long to boot. The new 3DS might still do the chip switch, but uh, there's enough processing power in there that it's a non-issue. It's really nice when you hit the home menu in Smash Bros, instead of having to wait like seven seconds for the home menu to slowly like stutter in, it just instantly goes like when you first got your 3DS. So I really like the speed a lot. It's a really nice perk. Uh, the C-Stick, I know I said I consider it to be better. The C, yeah, it's more of a nub than a stick. And honestly, it works kind of well. I will say up front, that uh yes it's more of a thinkpad nub yes it doesn't you don't actually have like uh a uh feedback when you press it it's not like an analog stick where it will move in the direction and move back you kind of slide across it it has maybe a very 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 slight give when you wiggle it like you could feel it kind of move right if you move right or move left if you move left but it's not actually moving it's pretty stationary it's just kind of like are you nudging it in that direction so it, it works better than you'd expect. I was a little hesitant when I first started hearing impressions out of Japan. That was like a ThinkPad nub, you know, like a laptop nub. I was like, mm, that doesn't sound good. But I, it's really great for Majora's Mask, moving the camera. Perfect. Codename Steam. I haven't played the demo on the new 3DS, only the old one. And I hated the uh, motion or the touch screen controls for the camera. But if it's anything like Majora, I'm going to love it on here. So for, mo- for camera, it's good. Even now getting the home menu, you can use this, the nub and it works pretty well. Smash Bros. is interesting. It's not bad, but you definitely have. There's definitely an adjustment period because I'm used to playing GameCube controller, and if you're used to playing on Wii, you can hold. You can hold a smash. You can do a quick smash just like, um, just like with a normal right stick. Difference is, it doesn't really tell you how hard you're hitting the stick because you know if you're playing on a GameCube controller and using the C stick or a Wii gamepad or whatever. If you slam it to the right, you know you're doing a, like right then and there. And if you kind of, and you know you can hold it, and you can do different things. This one, it's all the way it interprets it is different, but the way it feels is all the same. Doesn't matter how fast you run your finger across it, or if you choose to hold an attack or what, it will still kind of feel the same because it doesn't really give at all. So that's that's uh, a bit of a learning curve, okay. if that makes sense. Does that make sense? So that's kind of weird wording. So basically, you want to swipe at it if you just want to do your smash attack, and you want to actually. Kind of push it if you want to it's yeah exactly it. you swipe over you do like a quick yeah. if you want to like do the smash right then and there and then you kind of go like if you want to and then hold it if you want to do the, i don't even know if the mic picked up my wind noises but um if you want to do a hold attack and they work it just takes a second or a few minutes really to kind of figure that out to like mentally figure that out and also as someone coming from a gamecube play a gamecube smash player like controller it's really weird to have the c-stick above the buttons i kept hitting I kept reaching down to the start button expecting a stick there. But once oh. you get used to it, it's not bad. I mean, we played a couple matches, and I wasn't, like, Funny, that's sucking that much. The C-stick is now, like, always above my buttons when yeah. I assume the controls are But I don't even use the C-stick. We use A and the stick, yeah, and the control stick, yeah. yeah. Circle pad. But, yeah, no, sorry, yeah. you going to say something? Well, I mean, like, yeah, it's just forward and A. But. Yeah, and I imagine, I imagine some games the C-stick is not good, because the C-stick's a replacement for the Circle Pad Pro. In theory, any game that supported the CirclePad Pro automatically supports the C-Stick and the new ZL and ZR buttons, which are quite nice. Um, they feel good. They're in the right spot. But some games definitely aren't going to work as well as others. Resident Evil Revelations, I imagine, is going to work really well because it's kind of a more paced. There are action sequences, but as I was saying with Smash, it, you do get used to it. I feel like the... The... the just from what I've experienced with the with the nub, I still feel like for Majora's Mask, you're probably still better off using the gyro to aim. 
Oh, to aim, sure, but for camera, it's so perfect. And, and even then, like, even for camera, I, I feel it's kind of unnecessary for Majora's Mask. Well, I mean, I guess... I it's it. nice if you want to do cool photos from Everse, because you could do full 360. Oh, I, I, I'll give it that. Well, let me rephrase. In terms of its usage in the games, that's debatable. In terms of how it feels to use in those games, that's what I'm getting at. Okay. How it's used is totally another story versus how it feels to use. Yeah. How it feels to use for a game like Resident Evil, I can see it working pretty well. Even in intense parts, you're not... Like, it's not such rapid-fire movement that you're going to feel weird. Yeah, but even Kid then, Icarus Uprising is um, the pinnacle of bad for this, I'd imagine. Because for Resident Evil, you really have to aim like above you. It's always just yeah. like, it's always just straight, and since everything is corridors... They built it with gyro it, it's, it's really easy to um, just, like... Because um, with a press-up button, you can lock the camera behind you. Right. So you just turn a corner and lock the camera behind you, which is actually even faster than turning. Right, right. Than turning like with the, with the. Camera. Although again, I'm not really saying like it's the prime way to play. I'm, no, no, I'm no. more just saying if you were to play that way, it could it work. It would make sense. No, no, it no, no, feel but, weird. no yeah. but Kid Icarus is one where I think it's gonna work awful. I haven't tried it, but Kid Icarus, it's you the sensitivity, the hardness that you hit the stick with matters. And while it kind of picks it up, you have no way of knowing why it picks up until you see the animation. Yeah. Because even more so than Smash, Kid, I- Kid Icarus has more Smash attacks than Smash. Like, Smash attack is more important in Kid Icarus than it is in Smash Bros., which is weird. But, you know what I mean? Like, it's because there's, like, three different levels of hit you can do, if I remember correctly. There's, like, a soft, a slam, and, like, kind of uh, a weird in-between. And I don't know if the nub can pick up that sensitivity. It seems like it kind of can, but even in Smash Bros., there's a few times where I feel like it's misreading my right is down or something. So... It's great to have. I'm glad it's there. It's better than not having one by a long shot. But it's not the ideal way of controlling analog in every yeah, possible especially game. Especially because like, you have to remember that most of the games were designed without the C-Stick in mm-hmm, mind. So mm-hmm. they're perfectly fine without them. Exactly. And I don't know, it's funny. Like For Monster Hunter, I guess um, I feel like I... Unless I... Well, there is actually a weapon that does require you to aim that I do want to use. So right. I may have to invest in a Circle Pad Pro. What but, about Touch? What about touchscreen? Um, Cumbersome and weird. It's a little weird. I mean, sure. And I, I feel like aiming with if it had gyro, that would be cool. But yeah. Um, and for the most part, like whenever I'm playing, well, I'm for Monster Hunter Three. I feel like when I'm using the camera, like with the actual analog stick, mm-hmm. it's whenever I'm not finding monsters and I'm just like running around and I'm just like moving the camera. Just That's what I do in Majora. I just cast. Cool. Yeah, exactly. But That's what I do in Majora. But when I'm actually fighting a monster, I don't use the camera at all. Like I just lock mm-hmm. onto it and wherever it goes, you just press the lock on button and it automatically goes to where the monster is. Cause it makes right. Sense That's how Majora is too. Or well, all yeah, so for the most part, it's like, oh, I guess you don't really need it unless you actually like have a big gun to aim. Yeah. So. I think again, like the C-Stick, it's less of like at least um, my attitude of it right now and how I'm looking at it is less like... a first-person shooter, but then there's also like, oh, you still have those other control options. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm looking at less as like, how does a game utilize it versus how does it feel to use in a game, whether it's smart yeah. for the game to use it or not. But but it is kind of a good transition, because I'm saying it's not perfect, and that's kind of a good transition to uh, where things get a little more dicey with the new 3DS for me, which is the hardware itself. There are things I really like and things I don't really like. So I guess, first off, I really do like the design language of this thing. Like, it actually is a really cool blend of the original 3DS and the XL. Shape-wise, it's kind of like the XL. Size-wise, it's kind of like the XL. The glossiness, which, by the way, New Black looks super slick. It's actually kind of like a carbon fiber, ca- carbon fiber-y looking color pattern thing. Like, it's it's gray. It's like a dark gray with a really subtle pattern. I think our friend uh, described it as almost like the same pattern you have on your jeans, like that type of stitching-looking thing. 
There was an answer. Sorry. There was, but I forgot what it was. But yeah, it uh, it, it's very subtle. Like if you hold it in the right light, you see it. Otherwise, it just looks kind of like a dark gray. But it's super glossy. It's super nice. It reminds me a lot of the original black 3ds, but a lighter shade. And I also like that they kind of returned to some of the look of the older one, like the um, the the street pass light. Well, I did like how it was curved. This is very specific, I know. But I liked how it was curved on the XL. But this one is just pretty much the exact same square that was on the normal 3ds, just bigger. And also, like, the little power, the light indicators along the bottom are more in line with how they looked on the original 3DS than how they look on the XL. They're kind of like a weird halfway point. But still, it's cool that they, like, kind of merged them. Then you have the XL stuff being the curved design and the more flush, no birthday cake three-layer thing, which was such a dumb idea from Nintendo. Let's make it look like it has three layers to show it has 3D. No, let's not. It looks weird. It looks like you slapped together three different things. But, uh, so yeah, I think design-wise this thing does look pretty nice. Um... The one thing I don't particularly... Actually, no. There's more I like. Let me finish what I like. It's easier if I just like and dislike. Other things I like. Um, this is the first 3DS that has a home button that actually feels like a button that makes sense. The uh, the original 3DS is like that weird yeah. pressure thing. The XL was a button, but it was like attached to the screen kind of, and it only pressed from the bottom, which was a little strange. Like I didn't mind it at the time, but now that I think about it, I'm like, why is that? But this one, the home button's a real button. And starting select buttons are actually off to the side, so if you're using a touchscreen, your palm won't necessarily tap them by mistake, which I once did, and I didn't even know how I did it. So, I like that. I do also really like that they made symmetrical, this is so specific, but I like that the 3D slider and the volume slider are symmetrical on the top screen. I think these little details like this make it feel a lot more premium, as does, like, if you look at the icons under the lights, what they, it's a lot like the, if anyone that has an XL, old XL, you'll notice under the lights, it has, like, here's the power indicator, here's a power plug to show it's the power light, here's a... You know, here's a Wi-Fi thing that shows the Wi-Fi light. What they did is they, for the power indicator, the power symbol also is the power button. Now, some people online have said they don't like it because you really have to press it hard to turn off, but you're not supposed to turn it off. You're supposed to leave it in sleep mode. So I actually really like it, and I think it's a very clever two-in-one sort of design that it's very flush and nice. Like, it's very smart. That's like Wi-Fi, charging, power, and they just press power to turn it off. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So that's what I like. And the extra ZLZR are nice. Uh, it's great. There are some things I don't like. Uh, I think most notably, what I don't like is probably how cluttered the front looks. Like, really cluttered. Like, awfully cluttered. I'm not a fan of the cartridge slot on the front. It breaks... I'm getting so specific, but, like, this is what you do. It breaks the... It breaks the look. Because you have a nice, solid black front, or solid red, or solid... Whatever the other colors are. Oh, they're all black in that point. But, uh, the two specials are black. But then there's this white cartridge sitting here. Or there's no... The whole thing, I thought, was just... Oh, you're right, you're right. The top and bottom, so his is kind of matches. Yeah, so his kind of matches, but, like, in the gold for Zelda. But, like, this is just, like... Either you have an empty card slot in the front, which looks weird, or you have a off-color cartridge, which looks weird, and then, like, you have the stylus in the front, which is the worst possible place for a stylus. They've done a whole lap. What? They've already done a lap with the stylus location. Oh, yeah, it's, it's gone around the entire system, which is... I think someone... I don't remember who tweeted this. I think it was uh, Craig Harrison, or Craig Harris, or whatever his name is, formerly by GN. He's due to their handheld section. He made some joke, like, I think Nintendo's develop, like console developers are just trolling us now. They just keep moving everything to confuse you. Because, like, honestly, who would go under the power, like, under the system to try and get the style? It's a weird place. And he made it even weirder by the fact that... So if you take out the stylus, there's another weird open hole on the front. And then the stylus itself is, like two-thirds the width of what or two-thirds the length of what the xl stylus was which i thought was perfect size this one feels really small it is not comfortable to hold at all it's weird um and it's in the front which is weird 
and what's very strange if I, if I put this on a shelf like if I like put on a shelf that's eye level this thing looks kind of like a prototype from the front because there's all these weird slots and all these weird holes and all these weird buttons along the front Man, everything else is totally no everything else is totally everything else is totally flush and the lights look good and then like I mean just look like it's like everything's very flush and there's like here's a hole here's a weird little nub here's a big white block like why are these all here in the front they look much better in the back again I'm nitpicking because I really like the majority of design it's just this front piece I'm just like this looks like look at yours look how flush that looks it's just one line of black and then look at this and it's like there's there's like curves and lines and holes and dots and lights and symbols it's, it's just crazy yeah. But again, I really like the system's design as a whole. That just is one thing I did not expect to have an opinion of. And then I had a very, very... I had many feels about that one <laughs> section of the 3DS. So so there's that. But overall, I really do like the design. And the final thing I wanted to touch on about it is the stupid SD card. See, I told you I was going to start with what I liked and work my way down. The SD card is quite possibly... Okay, first I get what Nintendo... For those who don't know, the SD card lives under the back panel of the 3DS. Which, for the new 3DS, is fine. Because the new 3DS has changeable face plates. So more Wait, often... Wait, your 3DS missing a screw? No. No, it's there. No, it's not. Where did it go? I don't know. So, dramatic plot twist, everyone. I screwed in the screws when I... This demonstrates my this point so well. You could have lost it anywhere. I could have lost it anywhere. Maybe it's in my jacket pocket. But how would it have popped out? That's what I don't understand. Well, I'll steal one from my other 3DS. This is what's really weird, is how would it have come out? Maybe it's in my pocket. Well, I'll figure this out after, but this proves my point even more. This is like the best thing that could happen in terms of making my point. It's also the worst thing that can happen because now I'm missing a screw on my 3DS. But this Breaking news. But this proves my point so well. Okay. So for those who don't know, the back panel, uh, the SD card is under, as I was starting to say. On a normal new 3DS, that makes perfect sense because the cover plates, the cover plates are a major feature. You swap them off all the time, in theory. The XL does not do this, but it still has the, the SD card in the back. So what they make you do is this entire back panel comes off after you unscrew it and then take the stylus, which has a pickaxe on the back, essentially. Where is the stylus? Here's the stylus. It has a little hook thing, like the stylus has an extra lip. It looks kind of like a little pickaxe. And then you pry it under a corner of the, of the back panel where there's a slot that you put it in. And you have to keep kind of picking at it until you can get it in just right. And you have to pry it until, I kid you not, it's supposed to make a very loud pop, at which point you know you've opened it. Who takes a $200 device and goes, sure, let me just hack at the plastic and chip it and then pop it open until it makes a sound that sounds like it's dying? And you even noticed, because I was doing this transfer here, that uh, you even noticed that like the screws were squealing as I was oh, like... Oh, yeah, it was like too tight or something. I don't know. And, well, clearly it wasn't too tight because now it's not here. Yeah, so, so like I understand in the 90s, Tamagotchi and Pokemon Pikachu and all those had screws with watch batteries under them, so you needed to... You know, pop, have a parent unscrew it to put the watch battery in. But, like, this is a $200 thing. I'm sure Nintendo could have found somewhere to put it. As long as it wasn't the front, because then it'll keep it more cluttered. But, so, yeah, those are my those are my pet peeves. Overall, though, I, I know it sounds like it's went on a tirade, but overall, SD card, front of the design aside, I do really, really, really like this system a lot. Um, for a Nintendo, like, fanboy like new, me... New 3DS, because all those problems. Yeah, yeah, they need a new, new one. No, but honestly, it is the most, it is the best iteration of it by far. Every system Nintendo makes has its flaws. I take that back. The DS Lite has zero flaws. The DS Lite is by far, I think, the best handheld Nintendo's oh, ever the one made. That oh, yeah. Um, if you had the hinge problem, sorry. Uh, but no, the the design design wise, ignoring the hinge issue that popped up, the look of the system, I thought was the best of any Nintendo handheld since or prior. 
The SP was really cool, but they forgot a headphone jack, or they couldn't fit one in. So they just didn't do it, because who needs headphones, which was stupid. You had to use your uh, power adapter plug. The DSi looked weird because the button stuck out from the top, so it wasn't flush on the frame. The 3DS looked like a birthday cake. The XL is probably my second favorite design. Or no, the XL is pretty good, but this is probably my second favorite design with the XL on third, but the DS Lite's number one to me. But, back to my main point, this is the best 3DS, hands down, ever released by Nintendo. This is what it should have been in 2011. If you're a Nintendo fan like me, or like a Nintendo whore like me, I should say, uh, it's a given, you're probably going to want to get this, and I would say it's worth it. For the super 3D, super stable 3D alone makes it worth it. C-Sticks and add plus, speed's a great plus, but it's it's really good. If you're someone who doesn't necessarily need a C-Stick, or like, isn't bothered by the current system speeds, or doesn't really mind the 3D breaking, or doesn't or holds it well enough like you, where it never really breaks, because you're just like, stoic when you play and don't move, you become a statue. Uh, maybe you don't need it right now. Yeah. Basically, I mean, yeah. Maybe you... pick between the Smash Brothers edition, or... You go Smash. Well, well, I guess I already made my choice. Yeah, clearly, because there's a Smash one right there. Where am I screwed? I'm really concerned. But anyway, if you're someone you're like screwed. Jose... I'm screwed. If you're someone like Jose who doesn't need all these features necessarily, I would say maybe reevaluate once they come out with games that truly get enhanced by it or are truly exclusive, like Xenoblade or maybe stuff down the road where the enhancements are more than just, look, I can spin a camera around Deku Link. And, I mean, it's also if you don't, if you don't already have an Excel. I mean, yeah. like Elvis, in his case, he... Yeah, a, if you're going from original. Yeah, he had an original 3DS, and his was also starting to mess up with the charger. Right. So it was kind of the perfect time to upgrade. Yeah, if you're if you're in that situation, I recommend the upgrade. If you're someone like Jose, I'd recommend maybe revisiting the thought of the upgrade. If you're someone who doesn't own a 3DS whatsoever, just to reiterate, now is the time to buy one. This is the one to buy, hands down. I don't think the smaller version is coming out in America at all, so just just go buy this. It's totally worth it. I love the thing, minus the SD card and the uh, and the front. But I should say, to Nintendo's credit, the SD card thing sucked, but it's a one and done deal. You can wirelessly transfer to your SD card. You just pair it to your PC following instructions in the uh, system settings. So now that it's in there, it's okay. It just took me 45 minutes to get it in there. And a missing screw, which has since gone missing again. We lost it in here for like 10 minutes when uh, when, it first, when I was first doing it, and now I've lost it again. <sighs> anyway, but yeah, so if you've never had a 3DS, I would say get this one. If you're a Nintendo fan, I'd say get this one. If you have an old 3DS original, I'd say get this one. Long story short... Everyone should at least consider this thing, because it's pretty awesome. It's definitely the best 3DS to date. Whether you buy one or not depends on those various variables, but you should at least look at it, try out a demo, see if it's enough convincing enough for you, because I am extremely happy with it, contrary to my little rant about the design. If those in-depth impressions didn't get you, then I don't know what will. Yeah, I don't think I, don't think I expected to go that in-depth, to be honest. But uh, another game, another thing to go in depth about, though, and this is one we can both talk about more because you've been playing it too. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna say way less. Yeah, probably. Like, well, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm gonna be as in depth about the game as I am about the system. But uh, Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask 3D. Uh, so we both have been playing it. I've been playing it on the on the new 3DS XL over there. And I should mention that neither of us have played the original more than a brief chunk. You played, I think, just the final boss. I played only like a well, th- thirty minute piece. Yeah, just the final boss and. No, I didn't make it to the first temple. I just kind of stayed around. Right. Around right. But but point being, these aren't like... When we did Ocarina of Time 3D impressions... Or no, we never did. The podcast didn't exist yet. Well, if we were to have done... When we did Wind Waker HD impressions, a lot of our impressions were how is it versus the original? What's changed? What's the same? This time, I feel like we're almost kind of approaching it like... What is this Majora's Mask people think, you know, speak of? And oh, why, what makes like, it... You exactly could, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you know what's going on, but it's also... We can kind of go into this being like, well, this oh, game yeah. as a game 
as its own thing, here's what it is. So, um, you know, I'm just gonna come out and say it. Majora's Mask is really weird. Like, in a good way. But, like, the atmosphere, like, it's just, it's just really weird. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, it's very dark and atmospheric. And, cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. That's it's what I like about it. Yeah, they basically kind of took everything from Ocarina of Time, like the look of Ocarina of Time, the ideas of Ocarina of like Time. It's like a weird mod of Ocarina of Time because everything yeah. is like all the assets are already there. It's just like this kind of it, twisted Ocarina into like a pretzel, it, it, and like it, here you go. Crazy with like what we already have. Yeah, yeah. They basically turn. I feel like they basically turned into a pretzel, especially with like the time travel stuff. That's very like pretzely. But uh, yeah, I'd say by Zelda standards, it's kind of weird in structure as well. Not a bad way, just different, very different because like. There's obviously, you know, dungeons, but the time travel element really kind of changes things. Like, it's, yeah. it's this, this changes. Yeah, there's only four dungeons, but yeah. the majority of the game is essentially side quests and just helping people and talking to people. That's something I really liked, is Which, how the characters are actually, like, in-depth, like, the actual personalities. Yeah, like, like, you get more out of it by actually, like, talking to it. It's not just, like, a dumb little flash quest. Like, it's... Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's pretty interesting. Sometimes, like, I don't know, you're just curious, like, oh, I wonder, like, how this will turn out, and then you kind of go solve it. But, um... I guess I could see why some people would were, were displeased with some of the... If you're expecting Ocarina of Time 2, you're going to be displeased. Oh, no, with, well, with, <laughs> um, with, I guess, some of the changes. Because like, I thought, like, mm. oh, like, oh, this feels, like, streamlined and easy. Well, not, like, easy and, like, it's so easy, it's not fun. It's just more, like, this is very accessible. Yeah, because they but, did change. Um, time travel used to be you can only do it in 12-hour chunks within the game. Now you can do it to any point you want. The Bomber's Notebook, which actually sometimes I use a lot, wasn't even there the first time, and that lets you track all the side quests. And you can even set an alarm to remind yeah, you that's a side quest. Really, no, it's not, it's not yeah. Which is fine, because like, I did not plan to use the Bomber's Book. It's really confusing to look at. Like There's like different colored bars. It's like, oh, a blue bar means you talked to him at the right time. A black bar means you didn't. Hey, you have a red stamp. That means you already did what you can do with this character in like day one and day three. It's just like, I don't... This is really yeah, visually yeah. intense. But it's really helpful, too. Like, I did not think I was going to use it, but I used it a lot. Or I'm using it a lot, I should say. You pretty much are going to end up using it if you've never played this game before. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think the game itself, like, uh, what was I going to say? There's, it's, the time trial thing's really interesting to me because, like, it doesn't... It's almost like Groundhog Day. <laughs> like, you keep... When you go back, you lose some stuff. And the people talk to you like you've never talked to them before. But you have some knowledge and some stuff that you didn't have before. So yeah, you're going back and reliving it, but things are changing every time. So it's like now it's like you have a mask where they you... break whatever rules they want in particular. Well, it's like Groundhog Day. It's pretty much like no, kind of because, to some extent. Because Groundhog Day, um, he pretty much picks a different path every time, but everything still resets no matter what he did. And this one, if you fix oh, that's the problem. True. It stays fixed. fixed. Yeah, that's true. Otherwise, you would never progress in the game. But I guess the idea... Yeah, that's true. I guess the idea of, like, you go back with the new knowledge and the new thing... No, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, like, the the masks... That that is intentionally Groundhog Day, but... Yeah, you said a nitpick. No, 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 that's what I said, because, like, they pretty much break the rules. Right, right, you're right, you're right. But, yeah, because, like, I, I thought it was kind of cool, like, you know, you'd go back and you'd have a mask they didn't have before, and then suddenly, oh, hey, there's this whole area of the world that, like, now I can get to. It's It's actually kind of funny. It's basically, like... If you think about it, it's actually not that different from a standard Zelda outside of the side quest. Because instead of just going, all right, you did Dungeon A, now you're doing Dungeon B, it's like, yeah, you're doing Dungeon A on day three, now you're doing Dungeon B on day one. And it's just like, they basically folded time on top of itself. So instead of being a linear path, it's like coming back around. I'm getting really like interstellar sounding here. Like this is kind of like interstellar's plot that I'm somehow slipping into. But no, it's, it's basically like instead of just going point A to point B, it's like point A is folded on top of point B. Yeah, and even if so, the, it's the same day, but it's actually like a path to get you there. And even if the I guess the fact you could travel like through any hour of the day with the song of double time, or, yeah, or I guess have like multiple like way more save points. 
Like, I think, well, I guess the fact that the clock is there at all times, like, still kind of gives you pressure to go. Yeah, yeah, because some and people... It also, and it also ticks pretty fast, because it's obviously not going to be... Yeah, I feel like it's, like, hours. 90 minutes, roughly, for... Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like the same thing with, like, Pikmin, where it's like, oh, you see the, the day going by really fast, so like, oh, yeah. man, really? And it does put pressure on... It's funny, because, like, I've been, you know, reading people's impressions of the game, where they're saying, like, oh, I hate... I hate the... Um, so on a double time, there's no pressure anymore. It's like, well, no, there's still pressure because the moon's going to still collide with the Earth if you don't finish that dungeon by the end of day three. That's going to happen regardless. Yeah. The question is... And yeah, I guess you can jump back in time to an earlier point and just go back to where you were in the dungeon. But you still have to do the time management. And I feel like that... As someone who's never played Majora's Mask, that time crunch I'm not used to at all, even if it is one I totally control. Yeah. So that's still an extra layer of like stress or like something... I'm, not stress, but something I have to be mindful of, I guess. Yeah. But... It almost makes Ocarina time like well at least the characters in the world feel more like an experiment or just like they were just like okay like, let's see what, what we can cover yeah. with the N64 and this time they actually it's fine because this game was developed yeah. rapid fire the original Majora's Mask they made it in a year that makes sense I mean well that's like yeah. all the assets were there they just yeah. have to create dialogue yeah so I think that's partly why they flushed everyone out because like well we need to do something with these characters but I, we, you know, you know, we touched on masks, but we didn't really talk about them. That's actually something really unique about this game that I actually like a lot. Is instead of having items, where like, oh, Link's now walking on the ceiling with iron boots. It's like, oh, hey, Link's literally a Deku shrub, or literally a Zora, or literally a Goron, and they control totally different. It's not just like he walks heavy now. It's like you swim, you roll, you do this funny little twirl that the Deku yeah, shrub does, and, and, it's, still and like, it's and it's fun to play as them. I yeah, really like it. The, and there's still like a hookshot equivalent. There's yeah, still a of course. Still like those kind of things, but. But, like, the main dungeon oh, yeah. elements are now these guys instead yeah, of... And it's cool, like, how some of the masks, like, give you, like, certain attributes. Like, mm -hmm. the like the bunny hood actually does make you run fast, mm -hmm. unlike in Ocarina of Time where it doesn't. Yeah. But, um... I you know, know. I, I really like the mask system a lot. I think... I honestly wish that... They're not going to do it again because it's been done, but I honestly wish that Enuma and all the Zelda developers would kind of, like, experiment more. Because at the end of the day, it's still the same concept. You're still collecting things that give you new powers. But they don't always have to be just items. Like, the masks are fun because you transform. You could, you could get a little more. It's almost like how, like, not quite on the same level, but, like, in Twilight Princess, there was Wolf Link, who felt totally different, and you did different things with. Yeah. Like, I'd like to see more of that, where it's not always, you're the same dude in green or blue or red, depending on what's, you know, if you have whatever suit. Um, and now you have a hook shot. Like, it's, I, I'm really liking, I really like just running around as the Deku Shrub. I don't know why. His little twirl thing's great. But, um... Yeah, I'd like to see him do more like that, where you actually feel like you're physically different, not just with a little thing that gives you an extra flair or perk or whatever. Yeah. But so that's something I really enjoyed about this one. It's just like it really, really does feel different. You really do feel like you're these different yeah. things. Although I know some people hate the Zora swimming because they changed that. But I, as someone who hasn't played the original Majora, I think it's perfectly kind fine. Of the, kind of the benefits of not having that nostalgia. But um, yeah, I don't know. I also like the fact that like the villain is. It's very different. Yeah. In general, it's just it's not your fits with the whole weird dark atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, like, Zan was kind of weird, but it's also not like like oh, it's not this weird guy that eventually oh, Ganon was behind it the whole time. Or yeah. Ganon yeah. Spoilers for every Zelda ever. Yeah. <laughs> but except this one. But yeah, I and I think part of the reason they will pull that off is they're just like you know what, this isn't Hyrule. We're just gonna make a like a bizarro version of Hyrule, and you're gonna go there, and we can do whatever we want. We don't need a Ganon. Why would we? Why would we need a Ganon? Yeah. This is this is a side story. This is like a. It's like an expansion pack to Ocarina of Time where they... That, actually, you know what? The more I think about it, this is an expansion pack. Which is why they went as crazy as they did because they're basically like, well, you played Ocarina. What if we took all that, Here's threw more. it in a blender, put a creepy skull kid on it, have at it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's really great. It sure sounds good to describe it. 
Yeah, that's basically what it is. It's they just blended everything together and made this crazy game. But uh, and the three D the three D S version is really good. I think the three D looks great on there. Like it, this game in particular, more so than Ocarina, is better suited for three D because they do all those like warping things with, like, oh, in and yeah. out of the screen. Like when you put on the mask and it does a zoom in, which by the way you can skip if you don't want to watch it. But um, I think it's just you hit start. But, uh, yeah, like, whenever they do that, I'm like, 3D! Look, it's 3D! Or, like, even stuff like a lot of the dungeons have feel like they have a lot of depth to them. I mean, every dungeon does, but these in particular feel like they're very yeah. long dungeons opposed to, like, wide dungeons, which better suits the 3D. Well, they did good. Yeah, but and they... the graphics are a nice, a very nice boost over the N64. You could still see, like, like they did with Ocarina, you could still kind of see hints of, like, the blockiness, kind of like in Ode. Pretty like, much textures are, like... Textures are blown out. Or walls, like, yeah. kind of were... You can see the original geometry still there for a lot yeah. of buildings, but I don't know. Characters for the most part look way better. Characters right? look great. I think Clock Town looks really nice. And animations like were greatly improved. Yeah, which is great considering how cinematic some of the scenes are. Yeah, so I don't know. It's the cool. intro in particular, I really love the intro where he's walking through the woods. I know that's like nothing, but that you don't see that in a Zelda game. I feel game. like the 3DS game hasn't even come out in a good while. I definitely haven't bought it once in Smash Brothers. So yeah, it's been slow for a 3DS. So, but I mean, you should definitely. Yeah, if you if you're a Zelda fan. Oh, this is an obvious choice. If you've never played you Majora's Mask, yeah, you already have it. I don't know why you're listening to us, but thank you for doing so. No, but it, this is one of the things that if you've never played Majora's Mask, like we haven't. It's really a crazy. It's kind of a trip of a game. Like it's it's like nothing in the franchise. It's great. So I yeah, I would definitely recommend it hands down. Anyone who is interested, like any Nintendo fan, should check it out. There's there's a reason so many people love it. I've come to realize, and I'm kind of sad I missed it the first time around. But and also a weird little segue. I realized the other day I have like this Deku Shrub Deku Shrub uh, link. You know, it probably sounded like the podcast just skipped, but that's just me repeating myself for no rhyme or reason. Because I like, Deku Shrub, Deku Shrub. No, but, uh, yeah, I have this Link figurine. It's a Deku Shrub Link, and it comes with a little base, and there's, like, four different masks that come with it. It's actually, it's like a Zora mask, a Goron mask. Um, I don't remember the other two, but it's, it's actually kind of the, the Pikachu-looking, Kuro, Kira, whatever you call it, mask. But, yeah, it's like a whole little, like, yeah. It's like a whole little Majora's Mask thing, and when I bu- bought it, you know, I was like... 11, I think? Yeah, I must have been 11 at the time. I was like, oh, cool, Zelda, but I didn't, like, know exactly what I was referencing, so it's kind of funny that I'm playing it now. I'm like, hey, that's like the toy I had when I was 11. It makes sense now. So, kind of backwards nostalgia there, but but yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's a really good game. And it is great on the new 3DS because the 3D is that just that much better. Backwards nostalgia is the best nostalgia. Yep. <laughs> yep. Awesome. But, oh, and if you have the new 3DS, you can spin the camera around, and that's fun. Oh! Actually, one thing that's really nice on the 3DS, the gyro, when you do the gyro uh, first-person view, so perfect. Never breaks, ever. That's something I didn't mention when I was talking about 3DS, but you can finally do those move the system while in 3D things. You can play Mario Kart 7 first-person mode and not have it break on you. You can play, I mean, if you want to steer with the system. Although they turn it off now that I think about it, so I take that back. But uh, Ocarina of Time 3D, this, uh, if you go into first-person mode and you look around and you kind of move it away from your face, doesn't matter. It will stay how it's supposed yeah, to stay. Then, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know how people play it, but whenever I move, like, I pretty much stay like See, this, you so. do that because you've been trained by Nintendo to do that. Well, yeah. When most people, and for those who didn't see well, what then, he was doing, he was moving his entire torso as one unit. So he swiveled his whole body left to right. But most people, when they do it, will just move their face in the system like this. In all Nintendo's promotional footage, they show people just kind of taking the 3DS like this and sort of follow it. Like, moving the 3DS in one way and kind of following it with their face, but not being totally one-to-one with the two of them. Hmm. Like, go go watch, like, the early 3DS stuff, like, the seeing it's believing ads, and they're always like, wow, look at this! And it's just like their head moves slightly different from the system, and it's, yeah, so they finally realize that, which is nice. But you've been playing something else that got a 3D revamp. Um, I have not tried this yet, but it's available to all Club Nintendo members currently. 
Split Note Studio 3D. Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep this. Well, I, well, not purposely brief, but I mean, there's not it, much to say. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. This I remember when the 3ds first came out. There was um something called Inchworm Animation. Yeah, and I got that because I'm like, oh, they're probably not going to release some Split Note Studio for 3ds, or it might be a long time, so I'm able to just get it now. And then the whole delay thing happened, and then they weren't going to release it, and I guess now we got it, but with kind of no online. Yeah, with some cut features. But and I got to mess with it a little. I made a quick little animation of Kirby getting launched and like crashing on the screen like he does in Smash Brothers. In 3D, of course. And um, the you, the interface is really nice and clean compared to Inchworm, at least. I mean, that one is you could definitely do a lot more. Like I guess the possibilities are more. It's a I don't know. I guess that one is more like it's bigger software. I don't know. It's it's kind of it's not really that fair to compare them. Sure. Yeah. Especially because one I think costs. Well, did you ever play the original Flipnote on DSi? No, I did. Oh, you played mine, I think, because you never had DSi. Oh, no. Well, actually, uh, I made an animation of um, Squirtle doing, like, I guess going into a shell and then whatever. Well, it was uh, on a, who's? It was, um, a friend named Jacob. Ah, okay. I'm actually going to Santa Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, when, when, when this goes live, you will not be in the city of Los Angeles. Yeah. So, figure It's like one of those time-folding things I was talking about with Majora. Okay. Anyway. Well, anyway, so, I don't know, I really like the interface. It's really easy to pick up. They literally explain everything to you the first time you're doing this. And, I don't know, I even kind of like the little... I, I, I like these little random animal characters that Nintendo just happens to put in their little... Oh, like the random frog. Software. Yeah, like the little frog. I like how it just goes everywhere and just, like, explains stuff to you. Or, like, the parakeet in, um... And, I guess, the Nintendo sound. Right, or the rabbit in the street pass plaza. You don't like the no, rabbit? No, no, the you don't like salesman rabbit? I, I, I like the the parakeet and the frog just because they're more. Oh, they're, they're just tiny. And I guess the bird. He's like whatever. He's just a he's just a bird. I'm gonna. Um, it's like the rabbit is like they're trying too hard to make a character. Sure. I I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to point out that the poll quote from this episode that everyone should take note is: "I like the frog. He goes ribbit." I just, want, I just want to say that that is the takeaway quote or I don't think that was verbatim but that's yeah. what you said that's the takeaway quote for this episode if there was a back of the box like a movie poster that would be the big quote on it so continue yeah. sorry I just had that's to point that out I think he actually says um, ghetto he says like, really really fast ghetto <laughs> I don't think he's saying ghetto no no he, he is that's the onomatopoeia for frog in Japanese oh okay I just assumed you meant the English word ghetto no but I mean he's thinking like super fast and high pitch but I mean you know, he makes the same sound in Flipnote on DSi. I, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was ghetto, but yeah. No, so anyway, sense. I don't know. And they have like little tutorial videos like that are kind of slow, but they get the point across of how the 3D is supposed to work. They have mm-hmm. um, how different way that you could create the colors and like, like oh, if you have a black base, the red will look like this. If you have a red base, it'll look like this. I don't know. It's, it's still two-tone color, right? You could just choose the color. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's really cool. I... Uh, I, I can't really see myself doing like a big animation on it, but I'll definitely make random little things from time to time. Especially because I have the Excel now. Yeah. There were so many times, especially with Colors 3D, where I would be drawing things on the regular 3DS, and aside from it just being small, I still pulled through it. But I turned off the system so many times because of the freaking button, how it just like kind of bulged out. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty sensitive. And you, if you just touch it, it'll go to that little menu where it says like, "Oh, you press the home button and you go back to the home button." And it doesn't save, so you have to start all over. Right, it's right. Frustrating. Not anymore. So, yeah, that's a, that's a problem that's gone now. But um, you should note that I guess you do kind of have to unlock some things. You have to make a few animations before you can start working with different layers. Like, they'll show you animations that have different layers. Because, mm-hmm. like, you'll notice, like, oh, like, you 
the one layer stayed exactly the same, but the ones on top are the ones that change. And I couldn't do that with the Smash Brothers one because I didn't have access to the different layers. So presumably, like, the more animations you do, they reward you for actually using it. They gamify it. Yeah, so it's like, oh, okay, if, you, if you're actually going to be using this, we'll give you more tools. If you're not, then, I mean, you're not going to care. <laughs> then go away. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want you here. Yeah, no, no, that's how Flipnote was on DSi as well. It's almost the exact same process where you start simple and then they start giving you more and more. Yeah. Nintendo's really good at gamifying any app. I mean, even DS, as you mentioned, 3DS Sound even has kind of like some weird game-ish stuff going yeah. on. So if you have Club Nintendo, I mean, you have literally no reason to download it. If you don't have Club Nintendo, you can still sign up, I think, until the end of March or April, so and then you can get it. So, so basically, I don't know, you should just get it just to get it. At least that way, you can maybe receive um, flip notes from friends locally, even though they yeah, could just show them to you from their 3DS. But you can street pass them. That's the difference. Yeah. Can't you? Um, can you? Well, I didn't test that. I don't think so. Oh, maybe not. Because I feel like that's almost a bigger concern than over the internet is street passing them. Because some creep could be like, "Hey, come to my van parked in the in the under that tree over there, and I'll give you candy." Versus someone on the internet saying, "Hey, come to the van located at one two three ABC Street in Tokyo." I know you're in Kyoto, but come to Tokyo. Like, yeah, the local one's clearly the bigger issue. But so maybe there's no street pass. I could be wrong. Yeah, so that's the studio. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool freebie for Nintendo to give us as a thank you for Club Nintendo, and that's on top of all the rewards that are already there. That. And uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. and they still have the platinum and gold game downloads coming in April, so they're really they're really piling it on. But uh, yeah, that pretty much does it for this episode. Yeah. Wasn't on like Art Academy, whatever it's supposed to come Yeah, Art Academy Wii U just kind of fell off the face of the earth. It was supposed to come out last year. It never did. They released First Brush or whatever it was first called. Semester, I don't know. Hey, First Brush is a pretty good pun, though. <laughs> I mean, I just say. <laughs> it might be wrong, but it could be right. Like, it wasn't that far removed. Uh, but yeah, they released First bru- first, uh, first Semester in the oh, Sketchpad. summer. Yeah, yeah, Sketchpad. In the first Semester was something else. First semester, no, it was first semester. First semester was like the first semester is the three, the three DS one or the DS one. Sketch Sketchpad is yeah, but they so it's coming at some point. I think it's still it on. Still their says release. coming soon on the main menu. Yeah, I'm, and I'm pretty sure they still have it on their release calendar for 2015. The same one where they moved back Mario Maker and Yoshi's Woolly World. So who knows? But I mean, whenever that happens, we will of course be talking about it on the show. And in our next episode coming up in two weeks, we actually have a lot to talk about. We're gonna have impressions of Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, which came out this weekend. Uh, Nintendo's first real entry in the free-to-play market, Pokemon Smash. That was a surprise release the other Shuffle. day. I mean, yeah, Smash. Wow, Pokemon Shuffle. Thank you. That's a surprise release the other day, and it uh, we'll have impressions of just how good or bad the free-to-play component is next episode. Plus, all the latest news, anything that may have come out of the Q&A we're going to talk about as well. Also, be sure to head over to RamTown.com if you didn't see it. We teased it last episode, but Jose did this really cool mashup video of Rhythm Heaven and Smash Bros. It's basically Will Mac playing through the boxing, uh, what's an anime game? Figure Fighter. Figure Fighter 2 from Rhythm Heaven Fever. And the video's really well done. It's perfectly spliced up. It, it's Lil really Mac cool. Will Mac got the fever. Yeah, he, he, yeah. The Rhythm Heaven Fever. He's got a fever, and, and the only thing I can cure is more, uh, punching. More punching, not more cowbell. See, see, for all those SNL fans, that was a, Happy 4th anniversary, SNL. That was a reference to the cowbell skit. Anyway, regards. Um, but no, go watch, go watch the, uh, Go watch that video at Ramtown.com. It's right next to this episode. It's really good. Or you could just go to our YouTube channel, Ramtendo, YouTube slash Ramtendo.com, uh, and it's there, and you can subscribe for more videos in the future, both weird ones like that and vid bits, which are going to continue to happen. Um, be sure to also 
subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice, and follow us on Twitter at Nintendo so you don't miss our next episode, because that, the one with all the impressions I just mentioned, is coming on March 8th, which is two weeks from now. So, um, I also encourage you, if you're interested, <laughs> as if they're going to be like, I sure am, uh, you can follow either of us on Twitter individually, see our thoughts on games or whatever else. Uh, I'm JSR7, Jose is Wero, W-E-R-O, W-E-I-R-O underscore O, that's also his Miiverse handle, or you can friend and follow him, or you can friend and follow me, and or you can friend and follow me, at uh, Jason R. So do all that, and if you like the show, leave a comment over at Ramtown.com, or better yet, why don't you uh, leave us a review on iTunes, we'd appreciate that, that can help us move on up in the world of iTunes. So um, yeah, Paris does it, we'll see you in two weeks. Now I'm going to go back to finding my 3DS's uh, missing screw, because this is problematic, and I am sad. Goodbye.